On this episode, we discuss Rambo Last Blood. The series that once again proves that all you need is a sufficiently angry and armed American to solve any foreign country's problems. Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. Oh, hey everyone, it's me, Stuart Wellington. And coming to you live from Los Strangeles, Hollywood, it's Elliot Kalin. But we've got a special guest with us today, don't we, Daniel? Yes, we do. You know him as uh, one of the directors of American Pie, uncredited, as IMDb says, as the director <laughs> of About a Boy, one of the writers of uh, Rogue One, a Star Wars story. But most uh, Flophouse listeners will know him as uh, the man behind the Twilight Saga New Moon, which led him to us today. <laughs> led him to our doorstep. <laughs> yeah. you, you guys left out the colon, uh, but that's okay. It's Twilight Saga, yeah. colon, New Moon. And guys, uh, I just want to say to all the listeners, welcome to the special three-hour debate episode in which I defend <laughs> yeah. New Moon point by point. I just think it's just wonderful that you guys now in this time <laughs> of national crisis are inviting directors to uh, to sort of, you know, really hash things out with you, maybe change some minds. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, Originally, and- this... This was going to be like an Uva Bowl style uh, boxing match where you would take each of us on, yeah. but because of, because of the virus, we're just going to do it over over the internet. Yeah, what's the uh, what's the order in that that boss fight he has to do? Who's the? Uh, I'm assuming. Oh, yeah. uh, I'm, of course, I'm first. I, okay. Because I'm the I'm the easiest to take out, so I assume uh, I'm the first. You're one. the glass Joe yeah. of, uh, yeah, of the yeah, exactly. I'm the one where I walk into the ring and trip over the ropes and hurt hurt myself See, and have to be carried out. The thing is, like Chris is trying to shame us for uh, making fun of his movie, but it, like <laughs> yeah, uh, to our to our on our end of things, like things worked out great. Like like you know we uh, we made fun of this movie. Chris wrote us a letter. We ended up. Hanging out with him a few times. He took us to dinner. Uh, Stuart, you know, like has seen his house even. Like it's a. It's I've a also seen his house, Dan. It's I've a, also uh, seen his. Yep, house. I saw it through that drone I was flying over. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, like it's if if he has tried to make us stop, uh, you know, hassling people, he has gone about it the absolute wrong way because we are being rewarded for our bad behavior. Uh, that's yeah. all something I like to call the long con. Oh, no. Now that I've got all three of you in my <laughs> sights right here, you'll see that gas has released into each of your uh, office rooms. Oh. And you're being abducted and taken to an island where you will be hunted down by, oh, no. um, by the elite who are willing if, to, to pay millions. Wow. If, only, if only some movie or short story had prepared me for that kind of a situation. <laughs> uh, Dan, did we ever say the name of our guest? Uh, Chris White's. I, 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 you know what? I had the same worry. I, I don't know. It may we, have. we can check the tape later. So, but uh, but I, I for one am really looking forward to this uh, survival hunt uh, that will be going on. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, it'll be fun. I mean, it's not all bad. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean it's, it's sun. Uh, I assume beautiful surroundings. Unless this is one of those ones where we go to a burnt out city. 
It depends on the budget, uh, usually. In, in, in all the hunts that I've been on, uh, yeah. you know, you want a big whale to, to really get you into the Maldives or, or someplace really mm -hmm. nice. Otherwise, sure. you're in Chernobyl, then you're dealing with mutants, uh, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, or like the Japanese government could fund it to get rid of us. That would be a way to cut down on the Flophouse population. <laughs> yeah. Yes, but then you have to pretend to be um, misbehaving Japanese school kids first to get into <laughs> oh, the I, BR program. I think we could pull it off. I think we could pull it off. I've played uh, enough JRPGs in my time. I know what they're <laughs> what to do. <laughs> I've read enough uh, of Cromarty High School. I know what it's like to be like a bad boy in Japan. Okay. <laughs> So, uh, as Dan mentioned, uh, years ago, uh, we covered the underrated by us movie. Uh, misunderstood, uh, I think, is the word you're looking for. Misunderstood. Yeah. And if you want a masterpiece, maybe. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's the movie that's often been called the cornerstone and the archstone of the Twilight Saga. Wow, both um, stones. Both stones. It's both in the corner and the middle. Um, <laughs> it turned out Chris was a, a listener already. turned out you were a listener, and you wrote us a letter, a very nice letter, handwritten. I remember yeah. it being. Yeah. I have it actually in a place of prominence in my home still. So <laughs> He keeps it under his bed. Uh, <laughs> to ward off demons or witches, which was it, Dan, or both? Uh, to ward off snitches, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. He keeps it under there in case there's ever a home invasion situation. He can go hide under his bed, grab it, and then show the home invaders that he's actually really cool. <laughs> Back <laughs> off. Um, I know vampires. Uh, well, and as I think I, I may have told you guys, I, I don't think it was in my letter, but, but you know, well, I think it was a bit that I, I listened with great glee to the Flophouse for, for a long time. But, uh, and and I, I, w I told a friend of mine about it. I said, oh, you got to check this out. And then he called back a couple of days later and said, have you heard all of the episodes? And I said, no, why would you say that? And then it turned out that I was hoist by my own podcast petard. Uh, and, and then I had a, a real dilemma in my life, was, which was, was I going to listen to the episode? Was I going to submit myself to the treatment that I had submitted others to to... <laughs> to enjoy their, uh, their shellacking uh, at your guys' hands. And I'm, I'm glad I did. Um, and I'm glad that we find ourselves here. And, uh, you know, yeah, I, I think that we all have to try to do things to unite the country at this point. And if, yeah. if, if hey, <laughs> listen, this may not be such a big deal, but, but for, for a bad yes. movie podcast and a director whose movie was mocked, if they can get together, why can't China release uh -huh. accurate statistics about yeah. the COVID yeah. virus. Oh, wow. If we could reach across the aisle from creators like you to leeches like us who merely, <laughs> who merely criticize other people's work, mm -hmm. you know, can, right? before I claimed that I didn't feel guilty, but now Chris's unfailing kindness and <laughs> gentlemanly attitude has made me feel a little guilty. I should have listened to the episode again before we recorded because I forgot what we said it's okay i have but... it i have it fresh in my mind <laughs> i listen to it every morning as i get psyched up and then I, I prepare my my uh murder tunnels for when uh, i i tempt you guys to yeah. come over i've got all these special kind of spike traps and explosives yeah. oh. and things you listen to it while you're like dunking your tar uh tar covered fist wraps in like broken glass <laughs> and gummy bears and whatnot Okay, that was a perfect segue into our movie, and then Stuart turned into a joke about Hot Shots Part 2, I think. <laughs> oh, I'm going to talk a lot about that. <laughs> so, okay. um, but let's talk about, Dan, what do we do on this podcast other, oh. than, uh, other than get hoist on our own petard after yeah. hoisting on... And although, it strikes me that this is like 
the sequel to an O. Henry, like a 21st century O. Henry story. Like the 21st century O. Henry story would be like, I love this podcast where they make fun of movies. They're making fun of my movie. And then the sequel would be where we're like, hey, 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 we can make fun of whoever we want. Oh, he's here. Oh, no. And then I guess there would be a third one for a trilogy. I don't yeah. know what would happen then. Uh, that's where I, sh- I, I shave my head to buy you guys um, a microphone and you send me a, a comb to put in my beautiful hair. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what it is. And weirdly enough, you've managed to turn us into walrus men by the end. Of it. <laughs> yeah, I forgot. Oh, Henry has a, had a story by credit on Tusk. Yeah. I, I'm glad you went uh, way classier, Elliot, and not the um, Saturday Night Live thing that you hate, where someone is making fun of some other celebrity, and then it's like, oh, here they are, the real celebrity. Oh boy, right behind yeah, them. Not a fan of that. Not a fan of it at all. But anyway, so. Dan, what do we do on this podcast? Uh, this is a podcast <laughs> where we watch a bad movie, and like the like, the, like Twilight New Moon. Uh, I was gonna, I was actually gonna say, and boy, howdy! <laughs> uh, this time we we watch something so much, so so much. Like oh. Twilight New Moon is a new classic. This I is would watch, a... I would watch a million Twilight New Moons before watching this movie again. I wouldn't do um, that. <laughs> maybe like a, maybe a thousand. Uh, this so and what movie did we watch, Dan? As if it wasn't announced. We in the watched beginning. Rambo: Last Blood. Now the last in the Rambo. Well, yeah. Let, let me give you guys a little mark. insight, a little Hollywood insight here, a little little uh-huh. inside yeah. baseball. Oh. Uh, inside buzz. Yeah, you you probably don't know this, but when you put last or final in the title of your movie, you're actually not legally allowed to make any more movies <laughs> in that franchise. Wow, really? So that when it, whenever someone does that, that means they're going to leave it all out on the floor. <laughs> they're going to absolutely do yeah. their very best to make it the best film in the series. Yeah, like like Final Destination. Yeah. <laughs> when, the, when they made uh, Rise of Skywalker, uh, that tripped the trap because they had already made Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. And so they made Rise of Skywalker, and the system was like, mm, this isn't going to work out. Yep. You're trying uh-huh. to break the rules. Yeah. Yeah. When they made Freddy's Dead, they never made any more Nightmare on Elm Street movies after that. Well, yeah, and Jason your, went to hell and didn't come perfect back. Perfect example. Perfect example is The Last Emperor. There was never a sequel to that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Not even a. Uh, where's the prequel? The first Emperor. I pitched Save the Last Dance 2, but they said they couldn't make it legally, so I'm like, okay. Yeah, yeah it had to be Save the, Save the Penultimate Dance. You have to start going further back. Perry, well, Perry actually, that, that happened to me with, that happened to me with, uh, with uh, The Last of Sheila New Moon, and it just, mm-hmm. uh, just couldn't get it off the ground. Um, yeah, so this is... Uh, Elliot, you have a particular um, connection to the Rambo character, do you not? Uh, I don't know if I would say connection. He's a character that I find fascinating because he is <laughs> such a he is such a blatant fantasy figure, but also mm-hmm. he's he's a char- if ever there was a character that went so far afield of its original intention where yes. the first movie is about a man haunted by a war he was in who is mistreated by people who think he's a freak now and he goes on a rampage and the next every other movie in the series is like remember when he was blowing stuff up wasn't that amazing yeah. and so by this movie he's just like an unstoppable killing machine let's he's just take, the all, take all the best parts and make a well, movie yeah, out of it. And, yeah and the movie this even this movie sort of like pays like perfunctory like lip service to the idea like oh like war like ruins a man like i can't see anything good in the world anymore you know but that's all just in the service of making him like a more awesome, unstoppable killing machine in the mind of this film. Yeah, well, this movie, it has the weird thing of feeling like Rambo fan fiction that they somehow got <laughs> Sylvester Stallone to do. Like, the character feels so 
a little off of off normal. And also the story is so not a ram. It's like real death wish of a story and not yeah. a not a Rambo story because Rambo stories are usually. I mean, the first one again. He's he's a drifter. He gets bullied and he kills a lot of people. In Rambo's two through four, it's like Rambo. There's a problem only a Rambo can solve. We got to drop Rambo in, and Rambo's like, "You got it. I'm going to team up with the Muhadin. This isn't going to this isn't going to uh, get any backfire on us. This is going to be great." And uh, then th- this one, it's like it's just an out and out revenge story that has a little gloss of foreign interventionism in it yeah and i i want i've been trying to remember to do this uh when i can uh just like a little content warning i don't think we're going to get deep into it i hope not but um like there is uh <laughs> there is rape in this movie there is a lot of uh xenophobia uh just be aware yeah and with the thing is the movie didn't have to be that way we'll get yeah. into how <laughs> no how, not at all we'll get into how ugly this film is but so rambo this rambo was gestating for a long time uh, at little Ram- which is adorable to me, the idea of a little Rambo baby just mm-hmm. waiting to be born. Ram and baby. he's like, oh, do we, do we get to be born this time? And that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, Ram baby. <laughs> Dan, did I actually, Dan, I did, I do have a connection with Rambo. Did I ever tell you guys about, I must have at some point, my, the Bushbow series of videos that I did when I was a kid? No, uh, but no. I was thinking about how you would do the Rambo Room Ramble Room thing. Yeah, so actually I have it. So when I was a when I was an adolescent, me and a friend of mine, he had a George Bush senior mask cuz George Bush Jr. didn't exist yet. And George Bush senior mask and we made a series of I mean of he videos. existed. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, I guess technically. Uh he, <laughs> I thought he sprang out of his father's head fully formed. <laughs> yeah. uh, if right a George before Bush the falls election. in the forest, Stuart, does he make mm-hmm. a sound? <laughs> yeah, well, he probably because he's like, he's, he's in the forest cutting down trees with a yeah. chainsaw. Or he goes, uh, ow, ow. <laughs> <laughs> Owie, ow, ow. Yeah, because that's what he sounds like. Um, when, when my, my friend uh, Adam and I, he had a George Bush mask. And so right after the 1992 election, when I was about uh, 10, 11, I guess. Uh, we made a series of videos called Bushbow, where George Bush was so mad about losing the election that he became a vigilante and was fight- <laughs> was fighting crime. <laughs> and f- fast forward to when I would do one man shows, kind of one man shows in New York, and I had a bit called the Ramble Room, where I would reveal my uh, how you know my biggest fears and and anxieties, and then to overcome the shame I felt from that, I would then enter the Rambo room, which was just me pretending to be Rambo and doing a kind of mangled version of the monologue from the end of the first movie, where he's like, oh, my friend, he, he was getting a shoe shine and they blew his shoes up and oh, then they came back and they spit on us and they call us baby killers and crap. And uh, so, yeah, I've always, I mean, I've always been fascinated by Sylvester Stallone. Well, I, but I've he's also, I mean, him. Sylvester Stallone occasionally stops by the, the studio, doesn't he? Like, uh, I, I mean, these guys tell me, but I've never been here when it uh, happens. That's true. That's the thing. You, you missed yeah. it. It's been pretty great. Uh, I, I wanted. I was hoping to find out how he's doing with his soft heart disease, um, whether, yeah. whether that's a I pre-existing mean, condition es- that in these especially times now is, that's it increases his health risk. The fact that his heart is soft like a cheese. I think. Yeah. I think he yeah. said at one point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And his his well, love of Tostitos. I wonder how that might have played into some of the uh, the, the locations of this movie. Um, but uh, and and you brought up you brought up the first Rambo movie, uh, First Blood, and uh, which starred Brian Dennehy. R.I.P. Mm-hmm. Right. That's true. Who just passed away this yeah. week? So this is if this is a really timely time <laughs> to talk about Rambo. Last it is the timeless time. Uh, but I did some research, and it turns out that they've been working on it. So this Rambo movie had been gestating for a long time. At one point, it was called Rambo: The Savage Hunt, 
and it was going to be about him leading a team of hunters uh, to find a genetically modified kind of half-human creature. And it's Whoa. like, why didn't they make that movie? It also would not have felt like a Rambo movie. That would have been the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull of Rambo movies, but I would have and loved it so much instead, more. Instead, that's the attitude that the movie takes towards Mexicans. <laughs> yes, instead they take Mexicans half-human, half-human Genetically modified oh. freaks. Uh, and at yeah. some point, he was he teamed up Sylvester Sly, I call him. I've never met him, but, you know, he's Sly <laughs> like a fox. Uh, Sly teamed up with Rambo's creator, David Morrell, and they were going to make what Wikipedia just, just quotes Sylvester Sloan as saying it was going to be a soulful journey for John Rambo. But the producer said, no, we want to do this human trafficking story. So I guess Sylvester Sloan just said, okay, fine, I don't care. Um, and apparently, uh, well, I guess, should we Well, at least, like, into- at least... The story you're describing, ha- like, plays on the themes of the Rambo character. <laughs> yes, yeah. which is a man who is who can only express his his post traumatic stress disorder from war by just mowing down people. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's the scenes in uh, at the end of the last Rambo movie, which was just called Rambo. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Rambo where- Balboa. Yes, yeah, called Rambo Balboa. By, by the way, and, Elliot, I think that you and I saw Rambo together, right? Like that I was think one we of the, might have, yeah. The first, like, early in our friendship. And uh, that movie uh, also has some xenophobic elements, but it's yes. uh, so much more fun because it, like, eschews, like, uh, just destroying the female lead, as this movie does. It does not do that. And it is so absurdly violent Yo, that. there's a part at the end where Rambo is just standing with a with a huge machine gun, with a truck mounted machine gun, just tearing apart wave after wave of enemy uh, Burmese soldiers running after him. And there's a and he gets shot in the shoulder, and he just keeps mowing them down, and he just runs out of bad guys to shoot. Like that's just how it ends. It ends with yeah. him running out of bad guys, and then he's just standing there looking with his hand on his shoulder, and for the life of me, it looked like they had shaved a bear and put a T-shirt <laughs> on him and just had him stand there and, like, look. There's, there's a part in that movie where he's, he's sneaking around the enemy camp and he's, like, in, under a bridge, and it looks like the Frankenstein monster escaped. Like, that was when mm-hmm. Sly, Sly was really HGHing yeah. it up. Yeah, uh, Sto- the storyboards were by Bernie Wrightson. <laughs> <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't look exactly small here. He's still pretty... No, no, but he's... Craggy. Well, that's why at the end... At their occasionally moments, especially at the end credits, they show you scenes from First Blood, and he looks like a normal, relatively normal human being. Yeah. And the thing that the scenes from First Blood really brought home to me is, like, he's always had kind of beautiful eyes, these, like, big doe eyes for, like, a tough guy. And so in the past, he's been able to be kind of like a somewhat emotionally wounded tough guy. But in this one, he's just—it's just Logan Unforgiven, you know, stuff. Mm-hmm. But we'll get to that. So the foreign version of this movie— begins with John Rambo saving a missing hiker from a flood and that triggers his PTSD. We don't get to see that scene in the American version of it. So I don't know. I I had the choice on Amazon Prime between the extended cut and the release version. I said, I'm going to see the one that they thought was good enough to put in theaters. And oh boy. So we know by the, so the movie starts at the end of the last Rambo, John Rambo went back to his family's farm. Uh, it seemed like he had turned over a new leaf. And you know what? It seems like he has. He's been living on this farm. He's retired. Does he have a room full of his favorite weapons? Sure. Does he have un- a network of underground tunnels under his farm <laughs> that are very easily trappable? Uh, yes, of course. But who does it in this day? <laughs> yeah, he this, uses this... them for parties for kids. So that's yeah, a... yeah. And this, the, the, the walls are covered in knickknacks to like a TGI Friday's level. 
It's like a Rambo TJ Fridays where it's like, there's the bow and arrow, there's that knife, there's the machete from the last one. Like, there's a license plate that just says, our bow. (laughs) He he does spend a lot of time in his tunnels blacksmithing weapons, Yes, but you get the sense that that's his necessary therapy. He can channel all his, like, paranoid rage into that, and otherwise he's a, a nice rancher. Now, so he's got um, these th- these two women in his life. Uh, were they in a previous Rambo movie? No, these are new characters. Huh. I mean, the last Rambo movie was 15 years ago, I think, mm-hmm. something like that. The last <laughs> one was in, let's see, 2008, so it was 12 years ago. So during that time, he has picked up a niece, uh, Gabriella, mm-hmm. and a housekeeper? I kept. She's related to, to Gabrielle in some way, but she's the, not her mother. She's maybe Gabrielle's grandmother. She's not yeah. Sylvester Stallone's love interest. I kept so, waiting for them to reveal that Sylvester Stallone was was in love with this woman, and it just wasn't happening. Wikipedia, right. for what it's worth, okay, identifies her as like uh, one like she and Rambo managed the ranch together, and she is uh, uh, the the young woman's. Um, uh, grandmother. And oh, okay. I, and I think Uncle may be just sort of a like honorific. I don't know if they're actually related. But, I assumed uh, yeah. that she. I assumed that she was uh, the daughter of his uh, sister. But I it could just, be wrong it made me wonder what ethnicity the name Rambo is. Is it like you know, or is it? Just... <laughs> I mean, it was. It was supposed to be Italian. You yeah, know, I assume. But Rambo. The... There's um, a, when, they was, when they came to Ellis Island, it was Rambolini, and, and they <laughs> said, well, "Well, you got to change it a little bit." Yeah, there's a, change and it this, to something much more uh, Anglo-Saxon sounding, like Rambo. <laughs> and, uh, Gabriella's like about to go to college, and she has a great moment where she she asks uh, Rambo, "Did you like being a soldier?" And I'm like, "Uh, uh I don't think he did." <laughs> yeah, a there's one thing she question. should have learned in the past 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> it's that yeah, being it's a soldier kind of wrecked It's not him. like he doesn't pretty much every 10 minutes talk about how terrible <laughs> everything was and how there's no humanity left in him. But I, I want to say a, about these about the the uh, actors, the supporting actors in this first bit, that they're really doing their best with not too much. Like, they're, they're yes, not bad. Yeah. And especially, I think, the young girl, Gabriella, it was actually, there are moments where she is in this kind of insane revenge plot and actually seems like a 17-year-old girl might be, might be in that scenario. Well, I would, I would also argue that, um, that Stallone is doing the best he can yeah. with what he's given. He seems like a genuinely wounded man who is, has a lot of rage. The the movie the movie around these actors is the problem, but yes, we'll, no, he he yeah. sort of learned how to be quiet and just be himself, which which is kind of great. And actually, I would have watched the two hour movie of them hanging out at the farm uh, and just dealing with normal stuff much more happily yeah. than what there what is happened. a there is a great Rambo movie that is exactly that, which is him and Gabriella like training for like a big horse competition because they tame horse they train horses at the ranch or like just like existing at the ranch and her trying to get him to reveal to her the things that he's never revealed before about himself like there's a really i would love to like that's the movie they should have made and it would have cost a lot less but then you wouldn't have scenes of guys getting rakes through their head so like i guess you <laughs> there's would, a well, trade-off. That happen. well you could probably find a place for that <laughs> i guess so that's true that's where, true. where rambo just kills a bunch of randos rambo's yeah, rambo rambo's. It's, it's called rambo rando blood <laughs> 
<laughs> it's called Rando Rambo Five, <laughs> and and uh, he's still dealing with his trauma. Obviously, uh, he's making Gabriella a letter opener that looks like a knife, and I kept waiting for that to be like the big revenge weapon at the end. But I don't, I don't think it was. He used a much bigger uh, knife. You could have said, himself. Hey, "There's a letter. It's for you," or something like that. That could have been a yeah, great exactly. catchphrase. I thought he, I thought he, signed, I thought he decapitated, in, and they cut someone's he, head off. Yeah, I thought he, su- he stuck it in the one brother's chest with her picture before he chopped off Oh, was that what head. he did? Oh, yeah, maybe that's yes. it. All right, because hey, we'll, we'll nothing is not like, paid off. Everything is set up. And we'll paid get off. to that. We'll get yeah. to that. Oh well, uh, yeah, actually, Stuart, if I could, uh, <laughs> uh, I got a, I got a bump in on this Skype call. I had to oh, bump Elliot off the call, so like I could. Uh, Combo was bumping in before you. Stallone, well, that's but... that's my new character, Carambo. Oh, okay. He's like a uh, Columbo. So he's like, uh, one more thing, you're dead, and then he shoots somebody. <laughs> he's like, uh, hey, did you, uh, did you leave these POWs behind? And they're like, yeah, no, no, I didn't. He's like, oh, yeah, good, that makes sense. That makes sense. One more question. Can I kill you? And then I shoot him. Uh, so, do they say yes, or do you just shoot them? No I don't really what wait. They... I know it doesn't really matter what they're going to say. I'm just okay. going to do it anyway. So uh, the thing is, this is kind of like an intricate puzzle box of a film. <laughs> okay. And so everything introduced in the beginning uh, it comes around. It's like Anton Chekhov said, if you introduce a letter opener at the beginning, then you've got to use it to stab the photo of your dead niece to a decapitated <laughs> drug dealer's body in Act 3. And so the thing that I want you to remember while you're talking about this movie, uh, Rambo, Last Blood, is that uh, the subtext, which unfortunately was cut out of the American cut, is that Rambo only has so much blood left in his body. Because, oh, yeah. uh, as you may remember, the, my, the blood in my body is thicker than normal human blood. Right. So that's and why so, the veins in your arms are so pronounced because yes, they just exactly. like they, ha- they were enlarged to let the blood go through. Uh, not in, I mean, there it, it's just naturally it's the it's blood that is the consistency of uh, you know like uh, audio cable just <laughs> going through going through my veins. You know, just like pushing a pa- like a pipe cleaner through a, through a noodle. You know, that basically. Yeah. <laughs> so I uh, so just remember that that was a whole subplot that a lot of the movie makes more sense about if you remember that that. Uh, there's, uh, you know, uh, there was supposed to be a counter on screen at all times that counted that how many drops of blood were left in my body, and uh, yeah, I don't know who screwed up in post, but uh, for some reason that wasn't there. I didn't find out till the premiere, and I'm like, well, when does the counter go up? Because it's kind of what the movie's about, is he doesn't have so much blood left, and it never happens. So yeah, you like believe- a, a crank situation where he's got to keep, you know, his heart rate up. No, that would be worse. You want the heart oh, rate to okay. go down so the blood doesn't get pumped out of the body. Because that's the other thing is it's uh, earlier uh-huh. in the film I was supposed to get shot like uh, that one gremlin who gets shot and then he drinks the potion and then all the stuff comes out of him. Like that's what's going to happen. So it's leaking out of me the whole time <laughs> like a sprinkler. So, I mean, if it was moving faster, I'd lose the blood faster. So okay. I guess what I'm saying is this was not my ideal vision of the film, Rambo Last Blood. But, uh, you know, maybe I'll have some more answers for you later in the show. Gotta go, digital jetpack. <laughs> digital jetpack. Wow. Guys, I'm sorry. I was having, I guess, some trouble with the internet, and I couldn't get back on the Skype call. Everything okay? <laughs> Did I miss anything? <laughs> yeah. Everything's great. Okay. Uh, okay, so uh, Gabriella, she invites some friends over for a going-off-to-college party in Sly's secret murder tunnels. Yeah, he shows and- them the tunnels. Shows them the tunnels, and she realize, and her friend Giselle calls and says, "I found your your dad who abandoned you. He's in Mexico. Do you want to come meet her? Meet him?" And uh, Sly is like, "Your dad's a bad man." He and, uh, and she's like, "You know, I don't. You don't know about my world." And he's like, "Yeah, I do. It's worse than mine." And it was like, "Whoa, whoa, hold on <laughs> that's a second. That's, a, like, that's yeah. a big claim." It's, Rambo has like such a bleak view 
of the world and humanity. He's like he like this this whole monologue is basically basically like everyone's got a black heart. Like like yeah. like there's no goodness in the world in his and that's view. when yeah. like he sequesters Bruce Springsteen his, his world is goes, so dark that it's... he thinks that that a murder tunnel is a is a good place to invite. Teenagers yeah. to have yeah. a party. Well, and and I was, was going to say, Dan. I was going to say, Dan. We all know from Bruce Springsteen that everybody has a hungry heart. So yeah, yeah, or a soft heart. But like, but um, <laughs> no. But it's funny because movies like this, like the the hero expresses this like bleak view of humanity, and then the whole arc of the movie is that is confirmed. Yes. <laughs> like, like he's like, oh no, 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 no. He was right the whole time. She shouldn't like be like believe that there's good in the world. <laughs> no, because <laughs> like, she should be like terrible. Rambo, a crazy hermit man who sets up <laughs> like devices to murder people. But, I mean, but it's better it, than it, being it, a crazy hermit crab. Yeah. If I mean, if if his if his dark vision weren't realized, however, we wouldn't be able to enjoy this film. You know, thank God true. Right. that the world right. is such a terrible place that that Rambo has to kill maybe two thousand people uh, <laughs> by the end Certainly of the movie. A lot of people, a lot of people, yeah. especially for a man his age. Gabrielle uh, Gabrielle uh, reveals to her grandmother and to Rambo that she wants to go track down her father, and Rambo's like, "He's a terrible man." And at first, I'm like, "Oh, that's what any guy with a lot of baggage and like fucked up relationships and a terrible worldview—that's what he would say." Luckily, that gets paid off later on when we find out he is the worst person I've ever met. <laughs> oh, but he's—he's he's not as bad as some of the other guys. They're terrible. Also, he doesn't—he so, doesn't have a cell phone. You can't call ahead of time to talk to him true. and save yourself <laughs> the uh, <laughs> enslavement. Well, as we'll see, as we'll see soon, uh, as she, so she goes, anyway, she decides she's going to go. She goes to Mexico, which is a short drive from the ranch. I guess they live near the border. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like she crosses the border and she is instantly in a burnt out war zone. That yeah. is, none of the houses seem to have roofs. People are just hanging out, just gangbangers hanging out, yeah. drinking on car hoods. Like it's, it's like a reverse Wizard of Oz. Like it's crazy how instantly she's just in like a, some Italian Mad Max ripoff movie version of a city where it's mm-hmm. just like burnt out buildings and, and shells of vehicles. It, it like is that. pretty amazing. And I, so I'm going to get real and political for a moment here, guys. Okay. Uh, hey, that's you know, what we're here for. I, so I've, the I've, Flophouse I've, is, noth- is nothing but a format for, uh, you know, bold political controversy. <laughs> Be, being a part Mexican myself, um, you know, having gone there when I was a kid uh, and having made movies with uh, actual Mexican people in them, uh, it's really interesting to see this sort of trope of Mexico. Like, as though once you deploy the word Mexico, you know, she says, I want to go to Mexico. And, and Rambo is me like, whoa, why would you want to do that? Um, <laughs> although, you know, about 100 million Mexican people actually live in Mexico. And most of them aren't um, <laughs> AR-15 wielding narco murderers. Um, but you would think from the way that this movie portrays it, as Elliot said, at the moment you step across that border, all bets are off and you're probably yeah. going to die. It yeah. reminds me of a, everything of becomes my- ochre tinted. <laughs> <laughs> one of my one of, yeah exactly well it's like yeah even the light looks terrible there the, the one of my uh one of my friends freshman year of college was uh she was from mexico and she would talk then about how like she hated how in american movies if you had committed a crime you would just escape to mexico and she's like we have police officers in mexico like you can't it's not like you just go there and crime is okay like I think she was especially mad because her dad had been attorney general of Mexico for a little bit. So oh. it was it was a personal insult. Well, but, uh, I, I want to take a moment it, here, uh, as long as this topic to has come up. To defend the movie's vision of Mexico? Uh, I didn't hear what you said, but it's on on topic, so I assume that. Um, 
So, like, I'm going to compare this movie to its closest relative, uh, Taken, a few times yep. during our discussion here. And the thing that Taken does with this is, like, Taken is also a xenophobic movie, but at oh, least... I thought the I thought the name of the movie was Taken a few times, which I thought would be like a oh, late, boy. late, late. <laughs> That's the one where sequel. Liam Neeson is like, "Daughter, please stop <laughs> talking indoors. to strangers. This is the third time today that you've been taken." Yeah. Anyway, Taken is a much superior version of this story, and it makes a few key decisions. Uh, one of which is it is still xenophobic, but it decides to aim at xenophobia at least at a place that is not historically um, uh, vilified by America, um, uh, which is which makes it weird in a different way. Like, you watch Taken and you're like, okay, why is Liam Neeson immediately terrified his daughter wants to go to Paris? Like, that, that seems very crazy when you watch the movie. But, like, you put it off to him just being like, insane uh, he's seen so much in the cia or whatever but like apparently the paris of taken is filled with sex slavers well we won't touch on that but but at least it's like making an attempt to be like okay so we don't want to inflame any actual racial tensions that exist in america whereas rambo last blood is like okay well it, at, right when we're building this wall let's uh make mexicans the bad guy yeah and i, I mean the, so the the what's supposed to counterweigh this is that um there is a nice mexican grandmother and a mm -hmm. mexican-american girl in it and so this sort of excuses um the rampant xenophobia uh but it doesn't exactly oh by the way sebastian reports that he the movie should have been called rambo red cross or rambo remaining blood just needed to get that in because I'm getting I'm getting notes submitted to me. Um. I think so. I think the movie is so. The movie is not saying Mexicans are bad. The movie is saying Mexican men and most Mexican women are bad. And I feel yeah. like that's the kind of nuanced message that we. It's refreshing yeah. from a Rambo movie where usually everyone in the foreign country except the one woman who likes Rambo is bad. Uh, mm -hmm. But it is yeah. It's it, it's it, the movie exists in that weird fantasy world of fear that so many people live in where they're like ms-13 is going to come get us and it's like i don't think so like they have no interest in you i don't know why why you think they're just a marauding band of scavengers or reavers know, that just wanders the countryside well it's only yeah. really I mean, if you do something stupid like try to make contact with your father you know that, it's it clear, something clearly dangerous to do or trust yeah. giselle because as we meet giselle we know she is trouble because she's all got heavy makeup and jewelry and things like that. And she she is dressed very cleanly as a in like traditional gangbanger tropes. All she's missing is a few like SoundCloud rapper facial tattoos. Uh, <laughs> but like, but like she's all of her clothes are like pristine, like clear, like. I don't know. It feels like a high school play version, like like in Rushmore or something when they're dressed up as as like gangbangers. Like everything is very clean and carefully manicured. Yeah, absolutely. Like she looks no, like she's doing well for herself. Even though she moved back to Mexico, she's wearing Los Angeles kind of uh, a stereotype chola uh, outfits. Yeah. It's, it seems a bit unrealistic to me, but hey, she's got to do she's got to do her. <laughs> she's, hey, she's got to be herself. You know, she's as much an outsider as, as Gabriella. Giselle immediately asks Gabriella if she's a virgin and then goes, hey, I'm just joking. And it's like, mm, I don't think that was a joke. This is going to be trouble. Gabriella goes to meet her dad, Manuel, who says, hey, I left you because I never wanted you. So goodbye. And then yeah. closes the door. And he, he makes the most comical heel turn because when he first 
opens the door like he's not warm to her but he's like oh hey it's been a while like you know he he he's oh because you know because you know what happened he i think he didn't recognize her at first and thought she was someone from work oh he was like oh hey it's what are you doing here it's nice to see you and she's like why did you leave my family he's like oh it's my daughter get out of here i don't want to talk to you well then like he he steps out of the light into shadow in order to 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 be mean also (laughs) yeah Yeah. and and his eyes go dead and his like new wife answers the door and she's like who is she? I'll explain later. And she's like, okay, and leaves? Like, what? <laughs> but yeah, uh, well, they've, they've got a he, great relationship. Like, they trust each other. That's, the, that's I think, what they're trying to say, <laughs> is that he's moved on, and he's actually kind of made something of himself. And why is she coming to wreck his life, where it's, he's got this really trusting yeah. relationship with his wife? He's like, you're a reminder of the bad man I used to be, and not the caring family man that I am yeah. now. So I want you out of here. This movie is so committed to like rote shorthand that he he like literally just says like, one day I looked at you and your mom and I'm like, I don't care about these people and I left. I don't <laughs> like go away. I don't want you. Like he's the most direct about being a bad father as anyone could be. I wonder if maybe he's Harry and the Hendersoning her. And he mm-hmm. knows that he's a dangerous man, and he doesn't want her to be in trouble. So he's like, you stink. I don't like you. I never liked you. Get Honest, out of here. Honestly, Elliot, he is so over the top here that I thought it was going to be a plot point like that. I thought uh-huh. he was trying to scare her away. but Or no, it was he, a dream or something. Yeah. So uh, she she's really depressed about this. So Giselle, to cheer her up, takes her to a club, which actually looked like a— it pretty pretty fun, club. yeah. Yeah, it looked like a fun place to be. Her drink gets spiked. I guess it's not so fun after all. Next day, uh, everyone's like, Gabrielle's disappeared. Where is she? And uh, she went to Mexico. And Rambo's like, I'll get go get her. And he gets in his truck and, and races over to Mexico. Uh, this is where the trigger warnings are going to have to come in. Yeah. Because uh, uh, Gabri, as they call her, is instantly the prisoner of a nightmarish hell pimp who says he'll kill all any of his women if they run away, and she's inside of the filthiest building I've ever seen in my life in a movie. And it's like she... The uh, the movie is trying to outdo itself in being unpleasant and horrible. Uh, yeah. And this is where it really starts getting into that, uh, what I guess you'd call the uh, act two slime. Well, uh, how did, uh, maybe did you guys? How did you guys feel about it? Maybe I'm off base. So uh, it's but, it's really but, tricky because I mean ter- terrible things are happening to young women in in Mexico, and uh, you know this, sometimes this has been addressed in movies before, but it's rarely been used uh, as as such a blatant kind of plot um, engine uh, purely to manufacture bad guys to be destroyed by Sylvester Stallone. Um, so it's it's weird and, and unsettling. I feel like if they they go after this that uh, the the tragedies that can befall young women in Mexico with not quite as much sensitivity as Roberto Bolaño in 2666. Just not quite as much. Uh, <laughs> I, I was going of- to quote 2666, but I thought, no, you know, I'm not going to uh, try to bring uh, a, a sort of literary fiction into it, but hey, this is great. Hey, come on. this is, It's got to be done. But it reminded when when The Last Rainbow came out, it was like, I felt the same way about how it was set in... Um, in Burma, or I always mix up whether it's called Burma or Myanmar now, and I feel terrible about that. But the it was set there, and it was at the time that it was still a the military dictatorship before it became a democracy, and now it's kind of becoming a dictatorship again. But but at the time, it was still a military dictatorship, and I was like, it's terrible that they're using it just as fodder for these movies. But at the same time, like, what other American movies are talking about what's going on in that part of the world? Like, none of them were. So it feels weird for I think this movie is probably like 
Actually, you know, never mind. I don't think it's trying to call attention to any of this. It's just no, like, oh, no, what's no, a part no. of the world that sounds really terrible? No, it and we isn't. can have something horrible happen. Yeah. I, I would like, I have some things to say about that. Like, so, again, Taken. So, in Taken... So is again taken the sequel? Yeah, <laughs> where where not only where Liam Neeson has to team up with Judd Hirsch as his Jewish father, and he's like yeah. again taken. Yeah, and then there's the the taken DA where he magically <laughs> turns into a, a district attorney. No, I, I <laughs> magically he ran for the office. He was elected to it. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, the thing about this is like so in Taken, um, uh, the daughter is also being sex trafficked. But the movie has at least the small decency to rescue her before uh, before any rape occurs. Whereas this movie seems to delight in having this uh, uh, surrogate daughter character be as brutally mistreated as possible. Well, and, it, yeah, it takes a bit of a Mel Gibson kind of direction where, where Sylvester Stallone, or, or rather Rambo, strangely sort of offers himself up. Like, this guy who, who is, uh, you know, an incredibly skilled, stealthy assassin allows mm-hmm. himself to be beaten up, basically, by 50 dudes. Uh, and at the same time as that's happening, his, his uh, surrogate daughter, whatever, is, is, is being raped. And, and, and it's not necessary to the plot for this to happen. No, and I think that, like, we, we've we identified the xenophobia of the movie, like, every review of the movie at the time identified that, but I don't think there's as much talk about, like, the sexism of the movie, because, number one, she is, like, so fridged in the sense that, like, her, she only exists in the movie in relation to Rambo entirely and there's a very egregious version of that that happens later that I'll I'll mention when it when it comes up in the synopsis so there's that but also this movie is i think trading on like two male fantasies like it it like one much uglier than the other but like it gives the audience like the titillation of having this young girl sexually defiled and then it gives the audience the fantasy of like revenge against the defilers. Yeah, and it's it's like it's like having it both ways in that way, yeah. in like a really upsetting, uh, like a, I spit fashion. on Rambo's grave or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, Rambo spits on their grave. Yeah, oh. These are yeah. All... Who's, who's spitting on whose grave here? Um, it, it, I mean, it, also... The only the only grave we see, the only grave we end up seeing. Spoiler alert is Gabri's. So I guess that's the, that's the which I did. need to talk about Gabri's grave. Yeah, it's okay. A, well, we'll get there. They we'll do get a there. pretty, we'll get pretty there. not a bang up job on that grave, but um, it is always like a pretty teenage woman who is offered up as like the sacrifice, so a man can go on a rampage, like. Only like like it's a movie like you you I can only think of like a movie like Ransom, where it's a boy and in that case it's like also like a young boy. You don't see a teenage boy being the one who is like. And I'm just I think it's important to note like the creepiness of all this. Yeah. In addition to the well, the racism. The the other the sort of spiritual cousin of this too is Man on Fire I think, um, which also sort of played the Mexico kind of gag, with with a. A little white girl. I mean, okay, not not as terrible, but serves the same function, which is like we prize our um, nubile virginal uh, daughters 
or daughter figures, and if anyone, if any brown person is going to get innocence, them, you know. <laughs> um, and it's uh, like the 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 pearly pearly innocence that our our uh, our grizzled heroes wish they still had. Yep. Um, and, and but uh, actually, uh, to, to your point, Dan, I think you know basically once um, once Gabrielle has 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 is no longer a version it's time for her to die right because there's no way that she could possibly rebound from that uh, and lead a life and there's kind of this odd scene i were jumping ahead in the movie but but where rambo says you know you got a lot of living left to do there's all kinds of great things things are going to be great but essentially Sylvester Stallone's here again (laughs) (laughs) no that was me that was guys that was me oh wow wow. um and uh, and essentially, Gabriella just gives up on life because presumably, um, you know, there's no way you can come back from from, from that. You know. You yes. Can, I yeah. assumed it was her. Like, it was his old man speech that made her fall asleep and die. <laughs> <laughs> what's What's interesting to me vis-a-vis these movies, and uh, I'm thinking of Man on Fire as well, but these kind of go to Mexico and kill some people things is that presumably uh-huh. shot in, in Mexico or maybe uh, certainly with Mexican actors, right? And I'm just wondering what the experience is like for these Mexican actors or, or day players or, you know, heavies who are like, who are taking on these roles. Of course, you're getting paid to do what you want to do, which is to act. And that's great. But like, uh, how, how do you, how do you reconcile the rampant xenophobia with this? And, uh, you know, b- because it's not like, um, you know, th- there's, there's no brown face here, right? It's like, you're actually hiring Mexican actors to play, uh, sleazy, evil Mexicans. But actually, which also reminds me, Joaquin Cosillo, who I, I looked up in, on IMDb because I'd worked with him before in this movie, A Better Life, uh-huh. and um, he didn't appear to be in the movie. He was, gonna play, he, he, was playing, he was listed as Don Manuel, and he's in the credits, but did he appear in the movie at all? He, I don't, a very round I'm assuming, faced. I'm assuming he was the, if there was a character named Don Manuel, he would have been like the head of the crime, crime yeah. thing. I, I imagine so, but you only you only meet the evil Martinez brothers, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah. it's stuff that maybe it's in the foreign version and not the American version. Perhaps I don't know because there were extra scenes. I think, but it's yeah. It, there's a lot of uh, I guess what we're all saying, Dan. I think we all and Chris and Sue. I think we all agree this is a real icky movie, and there's a lot of real icky stuff both on screen yeah. and behind the screen. So let's get into it, shall we? Anyway, long story short, Rambo starts trying to track down Gabriella. Manuel is no help. There's that Manuel, but he's not a Don Manuel. Uh, he goes to Giselle and threatens her with a knife to take him to the club, and she points out the guy who took uh, his niece. Uh, meanwhile, there's a mysterious woman at the bar watching Rambo. Rambo uh, gets information from the guy by literally shoving his thumb through the man's skin so he can pull out his clavicle bone and snap it. <laughs> and now, he said he pulls out a bone. Are you talking about one of the bone cousins or maybe one of the bone paperbacks? Nope, no, not talking about, you mean like Jeff Smith's bone? Yeah, is it phony bone or phone it's bone? It's not phone bone, phone, phony bone, or, or smiley, uh, bone. smiley bone. The uh, Frugal Gourmet no. wrote a comic book? It's a different Jeff Smith, Dan. <laughs> oh, okay. And life was probably terrible for both of them until the Frugal Gourmet passed. Uh, yeah. So, uh, no, this is an actual bone that's in a human body. He really uh, goes Rambo's to town on this guy, maybe more yeah. than necessary. I have never, in a movie, I've never seen... Someone reach in and pull out another guy's clavicle bone and threaten to snap it in a movie. No. That's true. Yeah, but the funny neither. thing was also he was like he was like I snapped this bone and it's like you already pulled it out of my body, dude. Like 
This is pretty bad. Um, he he leads Rambo to a bad guy house. That's all I can call it, like a thug, a thug house or a bad guy house, some yeah. sort of chapo trap house. And uh, Rambo gets surrounded by bad dudes. This is the scene Chris was talking about earlier where the Martinez brothers, the bad guys of the movie, come up, and they have about 50 dudes beat up Rambo. And, and they, they don't sla- have – they're not, like, doing anything. They're just all, like, hanging out. Yeah, I mean, is they're that, just bad guys doing bad guy stuff. You know? Rambo that, really walks right into it, and I'm not sure whether he intends to or not. Given his proficiency in killing, the fact that he he gets kind of uh, he he gets sussed out so quickly and surrounded uh-huh. so easily seems odd to me. Did it seem now, strange couple, to you guys? I have yeah. a couple explanations for this. this. So these are I have a couple. That, one, this is when he makes his mistake. Instead of doing what he does best, setting traps, he was soft hearted. He's so angry and he's so soft-hearted that he just walks right in. Two, uh, I think he's not used to being a white guy in a foreign country who's not a soldier or a mercenary. So he walked in expecting them to understand that he's on a war footing, but to them he's just some old dude and there's Mm. 50 of them. Three, this is the scene that makes us want to beat him to kill them even more because they've shamed our hero. There's a scene in the movie The Ninth Configuration where you know that Stacy Keach is like a Rambo-type character, but he's tried to hide it in himself. And he goes to a bar, and this biker gang beats him up so badly until they finally are forcing him to lick beer off of this splintery wooden floor. And the whole scene, you're like, how much are they going to push him until he just finally, we have the re- release of him killing all these bikers. And they finally do it. And that scene, that's this is like a much slower version of that where it's like, would it be satisfying for Rambo to just go in and save his niece? Of course not. He's got to fail and then get revenge. And he's got to get, it's got to be personal revenge. And you'll see that because they carve an X into his face with a, with a knife. And it's like, it's more like a V mo- but it, or a V. Yeah. I, I, saw a v. V. I saw it as a V. I saw it as a V. Okay. Uh, I was watching it on an iPad while I was doing the dishes. So I might not have the clearest <laughs> view of it, but, uh, but how can you even judge but, this movie? If you didn't know the, it was a V and the creator You're right. I'm not watching it the way it was meant to be watched. Uh, <laughs> Because I didn't pay money for it. I, it just came with Amazon Prime. And, the, and uh, the villain explains his whole plan at this point, right? They have Rambo on the ground. He's all beat up. It looks like he's been stung by a bunch of bees. And he's like, you know what? I was going to ignore her. Uh, me being a crime boss, I don't think about the people beneath me. She's nothing to me. Now, my plan... But what's his plan? His plan is that, like, now I'm going to let you live just so you know I'm doing mean stuff to this girl all the time. He's going to be wow. It feels like a lot of work. I'm going to treat her worse than everybody, and you're going to spend the rest of your life because you would never try to attack me again Mm -hmm. uh, because I've done such a good job of showing you how tough I am. You're going to spend the rest of your life knowing that you made things worse for her by coming and trying to save her. And this is, I guess, an argument against anyone who says don't get involved, Rambo, because uh, he has to get involved now. I don't know. I, I feel like so it's a rewrite idea that at some point Gabriella should have said to him, promise me that that you, you've reformed and you're not going to kill any more people. And he says, I promise uh-huh. you that I will yep. never ever once again to commit an act of violence <laughs> on anybody. And so then I understand why he's just going to cruise in. He's like, I'm just going to talk nicely to them, explain that I'm Rambo and everything will be okay. <laughs> I'm sure if I speak reasonably to these fellows, uh, they'll see that they uh, should let my niece go. The rest of the women, of course, I don't care about because they're not related to me or even the same ethnicity as me and so i'll forget about them but uh, i'm sure i can reach a uh, a uh, common uh, point of reference with these men like yeah it's uh, my my stallone is really becoming colombo it's really fascinating <laughs> uh the uh but yeah he's but they don't have that so instead i think he's just cocky he's just overconfident and he's at a he's out of practice he's been taming horses not killing dudes so uh Rambo, uh, he gets beaten up unconscious, and he gets picked up by Carmen, a good 
good guy journalist, uh, and she's also got her reasons for hating these bad guys. Meanwhile, um, we just see horrible things happen to Gabriella, and we don't need to delve too deeply into those. We've kind of talked about uh-huh. the, what basically happens. She ends up being a drug, you know, they force her in drugs on her and force people on her. It's terrible. Four days later, uh, Rambo wakes up. He's still got a little bit of a concussion, uh, and he says, I got to settle a score with the Martinez brothers. And Carmen is like, okay, maybe I'll help you. Uh, Rambo then, this is the first part of his plan, where he just goes to a uh, to where Gabrielle's being held and imprisoned with a hammer and just kills every man he sees <laughs> yeah. and this is, scares this is like, all the yeah. women. This is like, like a dumb version of you were never really here. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so, and what I still haven't seen, you will never really, you were never really here yet. So, like, what is the difference between a movie like that and a movie like this? Like, what what makes that more of a work of art than another movie about a guy who has to save a woman so well, that, he kills people? Well, that, that movie is no away point, from that every movie act doesn't of give you the yeah, it doesn't give you any violent catharsis. You don't actually see him really do anything to anybody. Oh, so it's kind of like Only God Forgives, where it's like you know bad stuff is happening, but it's mostly Ryan Gosling just looking at stuff. Uh, but it's it it is tied more deeply in with the trauma that this veteran is going through and a man who lives in a world of only violence. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, the, 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 the violence is strange in this movie, right? It's not sort of balletic. It, it's, it's genuinely um, angry, um, uh, g- gross. It's very graphic, right? Um, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. Very, it's very graphic, and it's almost like there is no... And, I mean, you could see this as honesty even though it's not but it's like there's no joy in it there's not even thrills in it it's just like sylvester stallone's got to do a job so he's going to do this job i'm just going to walk into the room and hit that guy as hard as i can with a hammer and then i'm going to walk into this room and hit this guy as hard as i can as a hammer and i kept thinking like of a like an old boy there's that hammer fight scene and uh-huh. it's an amazing scene it's a joyous it's like, hammer fight it's a joyous yeah, it's, hammer fight, exactly. Mm-hmm. But in this one, it's like, you almost get a little bit of Cicillone being like, I can't believe I'm still making these movies. All right, yeah. walk in, kill someone, walk out. And the women he's saving are so are so much, seem to be so much more frightened by him, by this maniac who's just wandering and beating someone to death with a hammer. And it's, uh, well, it's just it, very... It's like but, a shooting gallery, too, like but a hammer gallery. Like These guys just yep. keep popping up. It's like, guy, hammer, guy, hammer, yeah, guy, yeah. Now hammer. I have an idea for a carnival booth. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, now you know what it's like to be one of the Hammer Brothers in the Mario Brothers yeah. uh, uh-huh. games. And then an Italian guy a... just shows up and starts killling everybody. <laughs> <laughs> just starts jumping on Rambo's head. Yeah. And now I have an idea for a pseudonym, Guy Hammer. Oh yeah, yeah. I like mm, it. Yeah. And now, what would you do as Guy Hammer? What would that pseudonym be used oh, for? Oh gosh. Um, guy Hammer, uh, international I mean... construction worker. <laughs> <laughs> okay. See, I'm Very adding glamorous. a little glamour to the... Yeah, we got some nails that uh, only you can hammer in yeah. over here. In, yeah, uh, now in is it is that you do jobs all over the world or you only use foreign-made tools or what makes you an international I'm a, construction worker? I'm a globetrotter. Armor? I'm a globetrotter. And my, my motto is uh, when you're Guy Hammer... Everything looks like a nail. (laughs) Wow. Okay. They're like, we're we're building this building using only the metric system. Somebody get me Guy Hammer. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So in France, they call you Guy Hammer. Yes. Right. Now, uh, since everything looks like a nail, that's a pretty serious psychological problem. That's like an Oliver Sacks level neurological disorder. No, it's true, but it's better than like having that cartoon disease where everything looks like a turkey because I (laughs) don't try and eat everything. That's true. That's fair. Because if I just saw a turkey sitting on the sidewalk, I'd immediately start eating it. Uh, whereas if I saw a person just sitting on the sidewalk, I'd be like, oh, that's a person. Uh, but if I saw any food sitting anywhere, 
mm-hmm. you'd have no choice but to eat it, even if it was yeah. driving a car, yeah, you'd, you'd even if it was wearing clothes. And chase it down the street. Exactly. As you do with the, normal chickens in a restaurant. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Elliot affixes I, a, a bib around his neck and he pulls out his cutlery that he has mm-hmm. on him at all times. I always have them with me and I'm used to, and when the chicken starts running away saying, hey, stop, I don't say for a second, hold on, let me square this with my regular frame of reference about chicken. Let me go to my schema about chicken that exists in my in my psychology. Do chicken usually run away and talk? They don't. Okay, especially fully cooked chickens, which is what this one is, running just on its on those little caps that they put on top of the leg bones yeah. uh, in a fancy restaurant in a cartoon. But that's because the non-chicken recognizing part of your brain has died, that, yeah. as Oliver Sacks would have pointed out. We learn so much about neurology from from things like chicken chicken uh, seeing disease. Yeah. Oh, it's a, yeah. CSD is it's a problem, but it's also been a learning opportunity for the world. Uh, so Rambo's just killing people with hammers. Uh, he steals Gabriella away, and he's going to save her. The criminal brothers are real mad now, and they argue with each other. Uh, on the drive home, uh, there, it's a long truck drive back, and Rambo, to, to try to keep Gabriella awake so that she doesn't die, Rambo kind of monologues about what Gabriella means to him and how important she is to him and his life was so bad until the movie makes the most unforgivable move, in my opinion, which we talked about, is that she dies. Is that... She yes, is no good yeah. as a living person. She is only good as an object to fixate on for the purposes of bloody revenge. Well, and, and this was the moment that I was going to mention before that like sort of underlines how she is only a device uh, that exists in relationship to Rambo. Um, is that like, yeah, Rambo is monologuing about himself and about how like she gave him hope and like all this. Stuff. I mean, like. Yeah, I mean, I could see someone saying that, but like, even at this moment of death, like, it's like, like, you rescued me. And then, like, as he's saying that, she slips away. Right. He's not talking about her her upcoming college career and and prospects for life. He's really just talking about his own trauma and how, when she was in third grade, she won six prizes in one day. Yeah, it's not, Mm -hmm. the movie's not called uh, Gabriella No Blood. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good point. And we can't expect it's it to survive. Very fair. And although there's part of me that did want to see Rambo trying to relate to a, to a teen girl on her mm-hmm. level. I mean, like, oh, you got so many TikToks to look at, and uh, I have Billie Eilish. This is her second album. I know you're looking forward to that. <laughs> but, like, just try, just desperately trying to connect. Oh, what's uh, – is Degrassi a show well, that young people are still watching? Or? Well, there's a point where the, where the grandma is complaining about the music that the teenagers are playing. She's like, oh, what terrible music. And he's like – I could get used to it. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, uh, that's better than I would say. Uh, guys, I was listening to uh, I was listening to the conversation again, and I had to bump uh, Elliot off again. Just uh, I didn't bump him off oh, the wow, way that yeah, I normally yeah. bump people off. He's still alive. I just tied him up, and uh, he's blindfolded, so he doesn't know I'm here. He's got put earplugs in his ears. <laughs> now, something I should tell you about. I was doing some research on my own movie, because mm-hmm. as you know, my memories are horribly unreliable. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, the other day, uh, my brother Frank, we were having brunch. Mm-hmm. I like to go to, to brunch. It was, again, a, it was a Zoom brunch because, again, at these times, you can't go places. But okay, cool. I, made, I tried to make home fries, and they just weren't as good as the restaurant, let me tell you that. But you got to try these things, you know? That's, so, you anyway, know, that's weird because they're, they're called home fries, but, but the restaurant version is so much better. 
Yeah. Dan, true words were never spoken. It's like how it's like how you drive on a parkway, but you shoot people in their driveways. Now, so, uh, so and I would talk. Frank was like, "Hey, uh, Sly, you remember when you were in that movie uh, Rhinestone?" And I was like, "I was never in such a film with that title, sir." And he kept reminding me. And then I looked up in my uh, my library of bound screenplays of all the movies that I've been in, and there you go. There was a screenplay for Rhinestone, and I read it. And you know what? I had a few laughs. Anyway, the important thing is I was doing some research on this movie, and uh, I realized there was an earlier version of this movie that was called Ramba, where I died in this scene. And then she took on my name, but a girl version of it. So it was Rambo instead of Rambo. And then she got revenge. And I don't know why we didn't do that, because it meant I could have slept through the rest of the movie. I could have, you know, because she knows she didn't really die. The actress just kind of went to sleep. And then we didn't wake her up, <laughs> so, you know, because oh, okay. she was so tired from the other scenes. So we just kind of let her sleep yeah. in the car. And uh, it was kind of funny. She woke up in the truck and we had all gone home. And she was uh-huh, like, what yeah. happened? And she called me. She's got my number. I'm that kind of guy. I'm just handing my number out to people because I'm a real friend. You know, I like to be personable. <laughs> and, you know, there's no there's no barrier between me and them. Then why should there be? I could snap their neck if I wanted to. Anyway, the... <laughs> You know, I don't have anything to worry about. She called me and she was like, Sly, I'm still in this truck. I just woke up. We were like, oh, you look so sweet. Just sleep in there that we didn't want to wake you up. And we wrote the rest of the movie around you dying in that moment rather than just falling asleep. And she's like, but I wanted to be the vigilante. I was going to take over. And when they said, well, no, no, no. But you fell asleep during the scene, so it's fine. I know you were tired. So I'm just going to do the rest of it. Uh, (laughs) So... So there was a version of the movie where originally I died, but she kind of brought it on herself that, uh, you know, I I had to shoot the rest of the movie, uh, and it just became Rambo, Last Blood. So it's kind of fascinating how many different versions of the movie there were that we went through while we were making it. You know, but that that happens sometimes. You know, I mean, when it's they were making that fascinating. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's I. I mean, it's uh, it's kind of an insulting way to put it, Stu. But uh, okay, I get your point. Oh, wow, you just called me Stu. Yeah, I didn't realize you uh, even knew who I was, Rambo. Uh, no, well, I no, I called you that because I'm going to kill you and I'm going to beat the stew out of you. <laughs> <laughs> for what you said to me yeah. as yep. soon as I find out where you live. Uh, also, Stuart calls you Rambo. He calls you by your character name. So that's I do the same thing. Yeah. I sometimes call myself Rambo. I've called myself Oscar, which is not even my character in that movie. Yeah. I called myself Rhinestone after I found out I was in a movie called Rhinestone. Because uh-huh. until I read the script, I assumed I was like a police detective named like Sal Rhinestone, who's uh-huh. like always trying to stop drug dealers or maybe like a kidnapper who wants to assassinate the president or something. But no, it turned out I was something with country music. I don't know. I read it yesterday and I forgot about it already. The point is, mm-hmm. I'm going to kill you, Stu. <laughs> Okay. Wow. Wow. Well, I'm glad that we're doing this digitally instead of over, uh, instead of in person. No, no, I can still get you because I've been taking virtuosity lessons, and uh, now, and now I can travel through the internet. So yeah, I better get doing going you know, with that. Stallone, I, do, I do have one question: Are you drawn to characters specifically with our names? Because you got Rocky, you got Rambo, and you've got, of course, Ray Tango. I'll answer, favorite, I'll answer favorite. both of those questions. One, I'm not drawn. I'm live action, but thank you. I consider myself kind of an animated person with a lot of energy, so I'll take that as a compliment. Uh, two, uh, yes, R is just, I consider it a power letter. Okay. Uh, and, you know, that's why Rambo, Rocky, Ray, uh, Ray, the movie about Ray Charles, which I auditioned for but did not get the part. I unsuccessfully pushed for that one. Uh, yeah, other movies, that Oscar ends with an R. Mm-hmm. And of course, let's not forget, uh, I was in Spy Kids 3D, and there's an R in 3. So, you know, all the, <laughs> there's an R connection to all the movies that I've been in. Judge wow. Jared. Yeah, yes. straight well, for the fans. Yeah, stop, er, my mom will shoot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's one way to pronounce it, sure. <laughs> 
Look at, well, that's, look at Chris's face. He, no, no, no. I, mean, I was thinking going about, from being delighted by this podcast <laughs> to ruining. I was, the, I was thinking the of, of uh, jumping in with Cobra, of course. Uh, there's an. Arm yeah, yeah. The it. movie where I was where I was one half of a bra. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the other half was, uh, I believe, um, who was it? Uh, it wasn't Elias Codius. It wasn't James Woods. It wasn't Ray Milland. It was, uh, it was Rosie Greer. It was Rosie Greer. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. It was Rosie Greer and me. Were bo- uh, mad scientists turned us into a bra. It was one of the crazier movies. It was earlier in my career. Anyway, I should get going so you can finish. I assume talking about how great the movie is. Gotta go. Bye. Oh man, guys! Oh, some um, some kind of masked figure came in and tied me up, and I'm glad he let me go because my throat was starting to hurt. So <laughs> anyway, um, I, I, actually, uh, I think Ray- it would have been to, to what Stallone said. I, I didn't hear it, Elliot, but but it would have been great if Rambo and his niece killed all the guys, right? Because then she could have actually enacted some kind of revenge on her own part. But no. Oh yeah, no, no. Yeah, That's not it, would, a, it no. would have been, uh, you know, like a human being who has gone through some trauma and like working through it and seeing how that affects that person. I don't know, similar to a movie called First Blood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he, he buries her. Stuart, you had something you want to say about her grave? Well, what I, I have a lot of questions. One is that like they seem, the grave is covered, the headstone is a simple cross, but it's covered in like, like scrawl from I'm assuming her classmates like it was like a cast like a plaster cast (laughs) from a broken arm and so does that mean they had a funeral and if they had a funeral what did they tell everybody and did they tell the police like what how how did how did they get her body from the truck into the ground with a headstone on it guys I mean, I mean, maybe he just always has a headstone ready for everybody he knows in case That's... they die and he has to get revenge on them, mm-hmm. and he just pulls it out of his tunnels. He's got a lot of storage space. Yeah. And all the and all the notes were notes that he wrote <laughs> to like yeah. make he, it he seem added, like she had a bunch of friends. He wanted her ghost to think that she was more popular than she yeah, was, so he yeah. like got into the character of a bunch of teens, and he probably dressed up like them to really get into their personalities. And he was like, "Yeah, uh, see ya, have a great summer," and stuff like that. You know, uh, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, BBFF was just best buddy friends forever. Oh, cool. And okay. uh, yeah, it's. I assume that. I assume it was all him play acting different okay. team parts. Well, that that answered my question, guys. No, there's so, no, there's no uh, no plot holes in this movie. Uh, mm-hmm. Rambo does the most healthy thing, which is he takes all of her pictures off the wall and puts them in a crate, and then uh, <laughs> says says to the to the older woman. You leave. I guess I'll go back to being a drifter now. Well, he, uh, he kicks like, her out, basically. So, well, I, you, you find out later yeah. why, because he's got to you murder fi- a thousand people. But um, uh, he says, there's nothing here for you. There's nothing here for me. And he, I, so he, I, he tells her the, the, the false cover story that he's going to wander the earth, basically. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Righting wrongs and uh, possibly taming horses somewhere. Uh, at first, I wasn't sure that it was a ploy, and so he just hung around his house, and I was like, well, that was a mean way to get rid of a roommate that I guess you're yeah. tired of. But uh, I was he, confused by that, yes. It's time. Look, Sylvester, look, uh, S- Sylvester Rambo, this whole movie, he's been doing things that don't come naturally to him. Riding horses, going to Mexico, having a family. Now it's time for him to do what he does best. Make weapons and traps. That's right. It's a montage of him prepping his farm and his tunnels with lots of defenses. And you know he's serious because he makes a new bow and arrow and a new knife, which is like, that's how you know he's he's flipping the switch, you know, and getting back into killer Rambo mode. Uh, 
he goes back to Mexico and he asks the reporter to help him, but I don't know how she helps him because he just goes to one of the Martinez brothers' house and kills everybody there mm-hmm. and cuts off the brother's head and leaves a picture of Gabriela there. I just love uh, uh, how he disposes of this head by, like, we see him driving back to America and he, like, puts it out the window and drops it. And I'm like, how long has he been Alfredo Garciaing this? That he's yeah, just, just talking like, to him? Yeah, he, like, took the head. He's like, he's like, oh, okay, I got to make it really dramatic. Like, why not just leave the head there? But he, he's like, nope. You know, I got to do this for the unseen camera. Take it with me and then well, throw it out the window. He had just seen Hereditary. And okay. he was like, I want to reenact that head on the side of the road. So spoilies, that's what I'll do. Spoilies. Oh, spoiler alert. Uh, I assume that uh, he, uh, you know, during the, he, he took the head and he's like, I'll just throw this into the, on the ground. And then he's, he realized he never had a friend. Oh, and okay. and so okay. he just started talking. It was like Wilson in Castaway. Like he's mm-hmm. like, oh, finally, this is my friend. But on the drive back, uh, the head they wanted to change the yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Just wanted to change the radio station, or maybe he like said something mean about Rambo's car, and Rambo yeah. was like, forget you, I don't need a head for a friend, and, and threw him out. You know. I assume that he, you know, it wasn't until that he had already started driving that he's like, what? I took the head. Ugh. Okay, well, when I pass, he's like, when I pass a garbage can, I'll throw it out. But like, he yeah. keeps driving. There's no garbage can. He's like, oh, Rambo, you're so absent-minded. Yes. And he's like, like, is this is? And then he's like, in his car, he's like googling, like, is a human head like? Will it like you know uh, decompose? Like whatever. Will it? Uh, How fast I, decompose? I mean, I mean, also, he's already driving without a license because the bad guys took his driver's license yeah. earlier in the movie. It's so texting while driving is just another one of the crimes. And it's, it, I guess, it shows how desensitized I am to uh, violence in movies. That after I watched it, I was like, he did a lot of driving without a license yeah. in this movie. That's not okay. <laughs> but this moment is so superfluous. I wish they had just gone further with it. Like he tosses it out the window and he goes, "That's no way to get ahead." <laughs> I wish or someone like, was here to hear me say that there's a, there's a car driving the other way and it's a family going down to Mexico on vacation and the kids in the back are fighting and the dad's oh, yeah. like so help me I'll turn this car around and then a head lands on the on the hood and they go ah and he does turn the car around and they yeah. drive back yeah. or they could be playing um, uh, highway bingo uh, and mm-hmm. decapitated head yeah. finishes like, the, every, the game every space on the card is marked except for decapitated head and they're like oh man I'll never win this game and then and then the head lands on the hood and the kid goes jackpot yeah and he goes he goes he looks up and he says thank you god like an animal house <laughs> yeah. he, he uh he punches his sister and goes punch head and uh you know yep. like card games you know anyway so he's uh, he's baited the trap. He is. He's baited uh, the yeah. trap. I guess he leaves his address. Do, do, well, when they, he, they uh, have his they have his driver's oh, license. Of course, of course, of course. So probably off camera is the scene where they go to their tech guy and he looks up to see if that's still where Rambo is registered at for voting or tax. We purposes need you to, to extract an moved. address from this driver's license. It's <laughs> <Yeah>. like <laughs> okay, but it's going to take time. Computer and, enhance. <laughs> he goes computer enhance, and he just holds it closer to his face. <laughs> yep. Um, so they, they, he, Rambo knows there's an army of goons that's going to be heading his way. They do, and it, this is comes up to, I feel like maybe the most perfunctory defending your house under siege scene I've ever seen because Rambo is just 
destroying these guys, and his traps are just destroying them. And it's lucky for the remaining Martinez brother that he brought as many guys as he did, because yeah. if he didn't, Rambos wouldn't get to use all his traps. Like I'm sure well, that is the thing is like every single. But if he if he missed out on one of the traps killing somebody, would he have to maneuver someone around very carefully to use that trap? Yeah, is the yeah. question. And, they're just set, and meanwhile, Rambo is is tunneling underground and popping up every now and then like Bugs Bunny and shooting people and going back underground. And it's like there's no, and I, while watching, well, I'm like, oh, there's no suspense in this scene. But then I was no. like, oh, it's not supposed to have suspense. It's just it's the, it's the visceral catharsis of watching people who are not like you murdered and blown yeah. up and having rakes in their faces. And around the fiftieth guy getting killed, I was like. Are they going to introduce any new traps? Well, <laughs> is it just going to be the same traps over and over this again? Is like, this is the point in the movie where you're like, okay, there's like like 25 minutes left, and you're like, okay, this is what the whole movie, this is the whole point of the movie. Like, this movie exists for this last 25 minutes, and you have to yeah. like sit through all the ugly, unpleasant shit to like set up the reason why this this crazy, like, ending where everyone gets rakes in the face is happening and the thing that is, was, my, that like, was my same review for home alone by the way yeah. <laughs> well and if you're like me and you're totally desensitized toward violence and like can't you know can just view it as like okay this is like a fun house like hollywood thing like let's see how they kill this guy like i could see getting like visceral thrills from just like okay well this is like the yeah as Stuart says like the ultra violent home alone but god damn I do not recommend anyone wade through the sewer to get to this point well the crazy thing about this point too is it is edited like the supercut of best Rambo kills that you would mm-hmm. see on YouTube like you'd, yeah. you'd see a YouTube video that's like Rambo last blood best kills and it's just like rake to the face blown yeah. up shot in the head napalm in his body like an alligator goes up his butt then like a piranha jumps through his neck and another (laughs) rake to the face and then like buzzsaw through the crotch like just cut after cut after cut it's really crazy he does have some very Rube Goldberg-esque ways of killing people too where it's like it's just not efficient he he drills a hole in a wall (laughs) so that he can poke somebody with a metal spike Whereas, it's like good thing this guy walked exactly where I needed to, needed him to, so I could cut his Achilles tendon. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy's like, "What the hell's with that hole?" Oh no! <laughs> the uh, and the thing is that the the my my favorite my favorite Rambo kill. I mean, I think it's the one that is most often the highlight of those highlight cuts. Is of course in Rambo when he covers himself with mud. And a mm-hmm. guy walks by, and then he opens his eyes, and you're like, Rambo's behind him the whole time. And they didn't do that. And I'm like, Rambo could easily look like a mud wall. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I'm surprised he didn't get to do that again. It's true. He's, like so, he's so craggy, he could basically have backed up into a rock wall, and you wouldn't notice. You wouldn't have to put any kind of camouflage on him. That'd be a funny scene <laughs> if he takes off all his clothes that he's naked, and he just... <laughs> Stands against a wall and it looks like he's made out of craggy rocks. Mm-hmm. The thing about that mud kill that makes it less cool is just imagining him waiting there hoping a guy walks by. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's like, the best part. Very like, I feel like that scene in like Kingdom of the Crystal Skull where all those like people are like in the mud on the wall just waiting for Mutt Williams and Indy to show up. That they've been waiting for hundreds of years yeah. for somebody to come by so they can attack them. He uh it is it's just like kill after kill and it reaches like a nineteen eighties level of murder excess and i will say mm-hmm. if the priest if the preceding movie had not been so ugly and so like horrible then i might have enjoyed this just because it's so goofy and there's a moment where rambo starts blasting the doors over the loudspeakers underneath and it's like oh 
this became the thing that Bloodshot, the movie we were talking about in the last episode, was parodying when it had the guy dancing to Psycho Killer and yeah. then and killing uh, Vin Diesel's wife. Like that, he's like, and also the the Doors song is all about how like the old are gonna die and the young will take over the earth. While this very old man is killing all these younger guys. He's <laughs> so like, like seventy two when this was made, right? Seventy two, like nineteen seventy two. Yeah, yeah. No, this he has. Uh, he he said probably I think about fifteen years ago he said he was too old to play Rambo anymore, and I guess he decided uh, he 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 wasn't. I mean, he but, still looks terrifying. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, uh, and Rambo gets shot, but it's fine. He can absorb bullets like like nobody's business. He lets. Uh, it's, it's fine the, because there's ultimately no stakes at this point. We're like no. We're like. Well, if Rambo dies, he's at least doing what he fucking loves. He's murdering dudes. <laughs> well, but it, 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 it's important that he literally tear out the heart of his enemy. Oh, right. Oh, uh, shit. He said, Fuck. Yeah, he said he, he said he wants the Martinez brothers to know what it feels like, to know his grief and his anger, to know what it's like to have his heart torn out. So he leads the last bad... He says, I saved you for last, the last bad guy, and uh, chases him into a barn, or he traps him in a barn, and Rambo shoots his arms and legs full of arrows that go so far through his body that they pin him to the wall of the barn. Mm-hmm. And then he walks up to him with this huge... I mean, English huge... longbowmen could put an arrow through a tree, Ellie. <laughs> that's true. And Rambo, we know he's good with bows and arrows. Like, that's... Yeah. It's not, it's not like know, this is a new thing. Bow and arrow technology has advanced since then, too, so... There you go. Since the yep. era of the English longbowmen? Yeah, that's, yeah, not, that's, that's true. Not a, that's not a goof, Elliot, is what I'm saying. Don't go on to IMDb. <laughs> okay, fair point, fair point. Section. It's just earlier we saw him shoot arrows through playing cards. And, that, <laughs> yeah. and it's like, uh, is the human body the same thinness as the playing cards? <laughs> but it makes me wish this was about Rambo getting trapped in a Home Depot and like having to use the stuff that was there, like a staple gun and things like that, mm-hmm. to try to stop people. And they could have called it either Home Rambo or Rambo Depot. Or Home Rambopo. <laughs> Maybe Home Rambopo. <laughs> and, that, that'll uh, get confused with Tampopo, hell yeah. Yeah, that's Oh, what a, what a great, Rambo, a great Rambo Rambo Tampopo is and Rambo. when he uses noodles to kill people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That would be amazing. Yeah. He Rambo, strangles them. He's, yes. he, just, he, wants to te- he wants to teach this woman how to make the, the best ramen, but it, he's just killing everybody who comes in. Ugh. Man, what a great movie, Tampopo. <laughs> so he uh, so he chops this dude's heart out, and he like holds it in front of him, and we're well, like, "Well, no, no, no. Okay, well, let's not gloss. Come on, Stuart, you're not giving this moment. The yeah, come on. You deserves. need the foreplay before he that. Stabs yeah. in, he stabs walks up to him. In. He takes a while walking up to him with the knife too. Yeah, he explains. And he stabs he explains in. That, that metaphorically the guy had torn out his heart. So uh, literally, he's going to tear out his heart, which is a bit so he yeah. can appreciate this. Yeah, he makes this <laughs> L-shaped cut. In the uh, the guy's chest, reaches in, yanks out the heart, which is still beating, showing it to him. And like this is the one moment of actual enjoyment I got out of Rambo Last Blood. Because I was like, <laughs> he is he going to do it? Is he going to do it? Holy shit, he did it. And you're waiting for him to take a bite out of that heart. <laughs> yeah. But unfortunately, he doesn't. He but... about it. But and also, there's a problem with the villain in as much as he has nothing interesting to say at that point. You know, you you, you oh, want no, yeah. some kind of um, rhetorical flourish from the villain mm-hmm. to justify the intensity of tearing out his heart. But all he says is "fuck you," basically. Yeah, he's such a he's such a generic, faceless, almost nameless villain that it's and yeah, you want like if this is probably gonna be the last Rambo movie. I hate to break it to you guys, uh, but. You kind of want him, not that Rambo, the movies have ever been known for their, like, necessarily their amazing bad guys, but you want someone who, or dialogue. I mean, I mean, Rambo, is it 
it's the second Rambo, right? Where he gets to say, he, they, she asks, what does expendable mean? And he goes, uh, it's like, you know, you're invited to a party and you don't show up and no one cares. And I've always loved that line. Oh, but, and uh, there's the line where he's like, who are you? Your worst nightmare. I mean, that shit's, that shit's yeah. golden. Yeah, exactly. But uh, there's not a lot of good conversations, I guess, in the Rambo movies. <laughs> but but uh, you do want something from him, but instead it's just like, you might as well have Rambo say to him, Hey, listen, I'm sorry you had to be the bad guy that I acted out the last of my war trauma on, but uh, this could be particularly bad for you. Um, now, wait, Ram- which, which Rambo movie was it where Rambo had to go and he had to rescue Stanley Spadowski from the thing, and then they climbed onto the thing and they kept shooting guys, and Rambo was played by Weird Al? Uh, you're thinking of UHF. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. so... The, uh, so uh, Rambo, this is the point in another movie where Rambo, he, he climbs onto his porch and he has a voiceover about how all his life he's only known death and everyone he knows is gone. And the way this movie should end is that Rambo, should end is that Rambo dies. Yeah, which, but instead, yeah, I expected his, that, but no. In his voiceover he goes, but I guess I'll defend their memories forever. And it's like, oh, okay, so are you going to keep going? And it's like, yeah. Rambo's like, my life is terrible. Everyone I know has died. I'm just a, a harbinger of death. Well, Tomorrow's another day. (laughs) No sleep for the wicked, I guess. His body has absorbed the bullets he's been pierced with as well. (laughs) Oh, by this point, his body has been shot so many times that he knows how to turn that into nutrients. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and like when he when he says he's going to defend their memories forever, I'd like to see him on that like chair on his laptop, like writing their story. <laughs> the next scene and then cuts to it's like the end of Born on the Fourth of July it cuts to him at a signing for his best selling book about his experiences <laughs> and then over the credits we get uh, sh- like shots from the past uh, uh, three Rambo movies it's Is mostly that? scenes from First Blood yeah and, then, and they show a couple shots well, from the they cover ones. they cover it all but it's it's just a hilarious way like don't get me wrong. This is by far the part of the movie that I enjoy the most. Just seeing like shots from old Rambo movies. <laughs> At the same time, it is such a wacky way to end this movie because it's just like Rambo is not a heartwarming character. So it's kind of like remember all these fun times we had with Rambo. It's, it's all images of him <laughs> killing people <laughs> and being I, angry. I, I, I thought it was especially weird that they played "You Got a Friend in Me" over. It. That, was the, that was the strange part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're like, look at how young uh, Sylvester Stallone is. Wow, look how yoked he is, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Look at those traps. So uh, Rambo Last Blood is very much, I would say, the least of these movies. And like, here's the thing about the Rambo movies. Except for the first one, I think when all of them came out, they were considered trash. Mm -hmm. And kind of time has allowed us to view them semi-ironically in a way that makes them more fun. But I don't know that this one is going to go through that process. It's just so... Mm gross no and that leads us into final judgments uh where we make our final judgments on movies uh, that we watch and uh-huh. whether they are a good bad movie a bad bad movie or a movie we kind of liked i will say that this is a bad bad movie it is it has an ugly black heart uh it loves to put its uh, characters through unpleasantness uh uh just because it can and i did not enjoy it <laughs> So, watching this movie put me in mind of a scene in Rambo 3, where Rambo gets shot and the bullet goes all the way through him. So the only way he can, ca- he can cauterize the wound, the only way he can handle this trauma, is by filling that wound with gunpowder and then lighting it on fire. <laughs> and that's kind of what going through watching this movie felt like to me. <laughs> yeah, it's a bad, bad movie. Uh, Stuart, I assume you're saying it's a movie you kind of liked then? 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it's a bad, bad movie. It's And Chris, uh, I want to apologize on behalf of the Flophouse for making you watch this particular one. I knew this was mo- I knew this movie was like, uh, I had heard a lot about its racism, but I did not know it, I didn't know ahead of time about it. It's just uh, grimness and disgustingness in terms of the way it handles the character. So I guess we'll have to we'll have to save a, a fun one for you next time. Well, uh, listen, a like, uh, 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 plot twist. I loved it. What? Oh, no. wow. <laughs> I, I just, just for the politics. Uh, you, you know, uh, sometimes you guys are just too hard on movies, you know? like uh, <laughs> uh, uh, You're right. We really should have checked our brain at the door. I wanna, just let it. I want to really think about what the intentions of the director looks it up. Can't find it. Uh, <laughs> German guy, I think. Uh, uh, Adrian yeah. Grunberg. Gr- he had, like, one other credit. Well, right. he was, a, he, was uh, he directed the movie Get the Gringo. So uh, the yes. guy has a great relationship with movies set in Mexico. Mexico, he really, yeah, he's the guy you go to for yeah. cultural and, uh, relevance. But uh, he, he's, uh, he's been. Uh, this was his second movie as director. He was an assistant director. <sighs> Sophomore slaughter, I call yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. It was. I was really. I was disappointed only because I expect a certain level of like bigness Thrills. from Rambo movies. Yeah, yeah. And this was such a part of it was that it was such a like small movie and really like just unpleasant and you know but what are you gonna do they don't the world's not safe for Rambo's anymore you know I mean would you say like this movie felt so much like a western I don't know if I would consider like do you feel that a lot of the other Rambo movies are westerns like that kind of a like a lone hero Yes they're definitely they they're they're kind of westerns in the clothing of war movies. Because yeah. it's it's almost always about a hero going in, a lone hero going in to like save some people, and of, except for the first one, the first one is a, is a uh, is a like kind of vigilante slasher movie almost in the clothes of a of a seventies character drama. But it's this is very much like this movie wants to be unforgiven really badly, and it's even to the point of every time he was standing over that grave, I was like, oh yeah, because in Unforgiven he stands at a grave and. It's just not Unforgiven, because Unforgiven, I think, is aware of how tawdry the things it's covering are. And the whole point of Unforgiven is, like, this is the kind of stuff that usually in movies we treat heroically, but it's kind of gross and bleak here. And in this one, it was like, the world's a terrible place, and it takes a bad man to set things right. We need Rambos on that wall protecting us. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, boy. So I can't wait for So, I, But I, I kind of want them to do one called, like, Space Rambo, where he gets frozen and thought—I mean, I guess that's Demolition Man to a certain extent. Rambo X. Rambo X, where the one where uh, he is playing Malcolm X, that seems like very <laughs> tasteless casting. That very was not what yeah, I was referencing. I don't know why you'd ever compare Ram- the two. Rambo versus Jason. You could, you could see him, actually, in the Pantheon of Horror um, yeah. icons. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's, he's much more Body of a... Body count I mean, alone. He's, it is a, he is the, he's like the slasher who's the good guy. And he just exists to kill, but he's has happens to be the good guy. But like just the fact that he's, you know, more of a cartoon than a character. Like he's he's more of a Freddy Krueger or a Jason than he is like um like a John Wayne, you know. Again, John Wayne's not a character, he's a person, but you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, Stu? Oh yeah, I know. Hey, 
Max Fun listeners. Have you been listening to Max Fun for a while and you've just been wondering, where's the new Flat Earth podcast I keep hearing about? Well, here it is. We give you all the facts on NASA's lies and how we know that the Earth is actually flat. Just, just kidding. kidding. <laughs> this is Ono, Ross, and Carrie, and we join fringe religious groups. We undergo alternative medical treatments. And we hang out with people like 9-11 truthers, flat earthers. We find out why do people believe strange things. We join them, and we tell you all about it. We have a lot of fun. We make a lot of friends. Yeah, we do. We joined the Mormons. We joined the Scientologists. We got acupunctured. We got fire cupped. We got ear candled. We've done it all, and we're going to keep doing it all. Why don't you check out Ono, Ross, and Carrie at MaximumFun.org? Welcome. Thank you. No problem. These are real podcast listeners, not actors. What do you look for in a podcast? Reliability is big for me. Power. I'd say comfort. What do you think of this? Oh. That's Jordan Jesse Go. Jordan Jesse Go? They came out of the floor? And down from the ceiling? That can't be safe. I'm upset. Can we go now? Soon. Jordan Jesse Go, a real podcast. The Flophouse is sponsored in part by Squarespace. Hey, why not use Squarespace if you want to make a website, guys? <laughs> you can use Squarespace to uh, blog or publish content. Uh-huh. sell products and services of all kinds, and much, much more. And Squarespace helps you do this by offering you beautiful, customizable templates created by world-class designers, everything optimized for mobile right out of the box, a new way to buy domains and choose from over 200 extensions, free and secure hosting. Head to squarespace.com flop for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code FLOP, to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Hey, Dan, I had an idea for a website, and I was wondering if Squarespace might be able to help me with it. I, they haven't let us down yet, but that's uh, true. Pitch I've, it to I've me. Done, I've made all, so this is, uh, I was kind of inspired by the movie, and you know, I moved into a new house last year, and we Uh-oh. had kind of a rat problem when we first got here. And I was like, if only there was a service where I could sign up online, and they could set up Rambo-style traps around my house to catch these rats. And so... It doesn't exist, so I'm just going to have to make it. And so uh, I wanted to register the domain ratbowbrandrambostylerattraps.com. And at ratbowbrandrambostylerattraps, we take the uh, intensity and the killing ability that only a uh, traumatized Vietnam vet has and use it to rid your home of vermin. So we've got little spring-loaded rakes that stab rats in the head. We've got like tiny little thermite bombs that blow rats up. Uh, We have a little man who runs around with a pump-action shotgun and just blows the head off of rats. And so... People, but people need to sign up to the website. I use, I, I, I was mean, trying to do this just I mean, through LA, bus ads, think, and it wasn't working. LA, do you think you're going to have some trouble with, you know, uh, people who would prefer, I don't know, say like a nonviolent means of ridding their house of uh, vermin? I believe that that is not our market. I think there's an untapped market there for people who want a very violent means of ridding oh, okay. their house mm-hmm. of vermin. And so Ratbow brand Rambo style rattraps.com is your place to either buy these traps and install them yourself, which I would not recommend at all uh, <laughs> or to buy the traps and then also hire one of our rat bow brand rambo style rat trap specialists to set these traps up around your house and just listen to some of these testimonies from satisfied rat bow brand rambo style rat trap 
customers. Okay, here's here's just one from a satisfied customer. Uh, yeah, I uh, had some rats in my house, and I figured, uh, oh, what better way to get rid of them? Set up some Rambo traps. I decided to go with one of their advisors, who helped me set the traps uh, over the internet during a Skype call. And you know what? The next day, my house was littered with the body parts of broken rats. <laughs> Thank you, Ratbow brand Rambo style rat traps dot com. <laughs> so that you can't you can't argue with that kind of success and that kind of happy customer. No, so you think Squarespace would be able to help me set up that website, which apparently I, I already have set up because I have a <laughs> testimonial. <laughs> Oh, I assume you used Squarespace in the past, but yes, I think that I think that they they could help with that. Okay, great, thanks, Dan. Much appreciated. Uh, the Squarespace, uh, the Squarespace, the podcast <laughs> is also sponsored in part by Raycon. Whether you're working from home or working on your fitness, you want what you're listening to to be what you're listening to, not what the other folks in your apartment or house may be listening to, or. Uh, you know, maybe you want to block out the people upstairs who, ever since quarantine started, seem to be exercising 24-7. Anyway. <laughs> Dan, I don't think they're exercising. No, no. <laughs> well, why not check out the wireless earbuds from Raycon? They started about half the price of other premium wireless earbuds on the market, and they sound just as amazing as other top audio brands that you may know. Their newest model, the sleek and stylish Everyday E25 earbuds, have six hours of playtime, seamless Bluetooth pairing, more bass, and a more compact design that gives you a nice noise-isolating fit. Mm-hmm. Raycon's wireless earbuds are so comfortable, uh, perfect for conference calls or binging podcasts. Now, I was a wireless earbud doubter, but these things fit my ears uh, great. You got a little charging case, so they're charging while they're in your pocket. You take them out, they pair immediately. If you want to turn up the volume, you can just tap on the side of your ear like some sort of space, uh, some sort of lobot or, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Lobots anyway. are in space, yep. <laughs> yep. I mean, technically everything's in space. The lobot <laughs> is on a planet. Now's the time to get your uh, get the latest and greatest from Raycon. Get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com slash flop. That's buyraycon.com slash flop for 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds. They say it a third time, buyraycon.com slash flop. Can you spell Raycon? Oh, yeah, that would be useful. It is Ray, like uh, the Ray artist, Light. Ray Charles, and Con, like the movie Con Air. All one word, Raycon. Ray Charles Conair. Got it. Yep. No, Raycon. Uh, so, guys, now's the time that we take some letters from listeners. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have them in front of me. Okay. In my hot little hand. Ooh, I'm going to mention cool. uh, we are recording this at a time when, if there wasn't a global pandemic, Stuart and Dan and I would be in Toronto right now. We would have just done a show the night before. Uh-huh. Sorry, Toronto. I know I, I'm disappointed we didn't get to do that show. We yep. will be back someday. I promise that. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. We all look forward uh, for many reasons uh, for the end of this thing. Uh, our reason is a little less. Um, uh, important than others, but we do want to see all of you in person. We miss touring. Um, but uh, this first letter, I have neglected to put who sent it. <laughs> okay, so a mystery afoot. So yeah. whole name withheld. Uh, why, hello, General Kerfloppers. I want to start off by saying I enjoy you all equally, except for Elliot. He's my favorite. Fuck hey, thanks. That letter written by <laughs> Elliot's mom. <laughs> 
No, it seems to me um, I know why Dan buried the name of this person. Uh, I think in January I finally got caught up on my previous favorite podcast, My Brother, My Brother and Me, so I had to find a new one, and I settled on yours. I'm writing this, uh, as I'm writing this, I'm on episode 159. I'm saying I'm very hooked on your podcast, and the catalog is invaluable to my sanity during the quarantine we're in. 159? Uh, Which one is that? Let's take a look, shall we? Yeah, let's, let's look it up. Off House 159. It is Walking with Dinosaurs. Oh, nice. <laughs> oh wow. Oh, I forgot about with that Kevin one. Marr. Uh, yeah, Kevin Marr. I have a question was, for you all as well. I'm a younger listener, if you could not tell, and I wanted to ask if there were any movies you guys think are very important for a younger fan of film to see. I really like gangster and crime films, but really I'm happy to watch and explore all kinds of different genres of film. And uh, mm-hmm. so that's the question. I, I like My immediate thought off of this is like, just be curious. Like, I don't know if there's something that I would point someone to specifically just because I don't like being the kind of person who's like, you gotta see this. But at the same time, but like, I think it's good if you're interested in a film to sort of broaden your tastes early uh, so you don't get set in your ways. Like, watch old movies so you're not, I don't know, like confused by the different ways that people may have gone about uh, acting or putting together a film back then, watch silent films, watch foreign films, um, you know, sample around. Yeah, I mean, you want to watch the classics. You you want to watch Castle Freak, The Granny, <laughs> Invisible Maniac. Uh, but I mean, Head of the Family, think, right, Stu? Head of the Family, of course, all, all the, four, the Holy uh, Quadrilogy. Uh, <laughs> but the, of course, uh, if you like gangster movies and you want a foundational piece of cinema... Of course, I'm going to recommend that you watch Ricky O, The Story of Ricky, the best movie ever made. <laughs> and how is that a gangster it, film? <laughs> well, I mean, it takes place in a private prison, Elliot. <laughs> Good yeah, point. Sure. Uh, and of course, Ricky has been uh, rightfully in prison because he killed the drug dealers that gave drugs to his girlfriend and made her jump off of a building. Um, so watch Story of Ricky, uh, Ricky O. Yeah, it's great. Uh, I'm going to... Uh, Repeat what Dan said, which is just try to watch a little bit of everything and see what appeals to you before you start hearing from other people what they like and what they don't like. Or if you start hearing from other people they like and what don't like, like take it with a grain of salt and use that as a way to try new stuff, but you don't have to feel the same way other people do about it. But the way I learned about movies was in an incredibly haphazard way, which was literally just I would go through the TV guide because that's how old I am. Now I go through the on-screen cable guide and – any movie that sounded remotely interesting to me, I would tape and I would watch it. And so I ended up watching a lot, a lot of different stuff. Some of it wasn't so great, but some of it is stuff that I never would have known to seek out. Yeah. Uh, and so like, and I still do that when I go through the cable guide on Turner Classic Movies. And basically if there's a foreign movie that I've never heard of, I'll record it. And I've seen a lot of stuff that I wouldn't have seen otherwise that I really liked a lot. Uh, hey, Elliot, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt. Uh, I stepped away because my cat is going crazy. But um, did you say you just follow the advice of Armand White and watch whatever movies he likes? That's exactly what I said. I said <laughs> there's no there's no critic who represents my taste as much as Armand White. I hate the Toy Story movies. I love Jack and Jill. Um, if other critics like a movie, then I hate it. And if other critics hate a movie, then I think it's great. And uh, the and that's exactly opposite of what I would do. Stuart, come on. Uh, uh but yeah, just like uh, 
anything that seems remotely interesting, try it. And even things that don't seem interesting, try them and just sample as widely as you can. Chris, you know, what about you? You're well, a professional filmmaker. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I would say I agree with what you guys are saying. Um, and I, I would say take a, take a lateral move here. Like, don't, don't get stuck just in American gangster movies. But but let's uh, let's kind of reset the focus and look at um, High and Low, which is one of my favorite uh, movies yeah. of all time, a Kurosawa movie, a right? Movie. Which which was then kind of ripped off for ransom later. Um, and High and Low is is formally an amazing film, right? A lot of it just takes place just in one room, but it's always exciting. Uh, and Yojimbo, okay, which is also about gangs, but it's just set in the 16th century in Japan. Uh, another Kurosawa film. Um, and so it's got that kind of gangster uh, attitude to it, but formally and in terms of its tropes, it's it's quite different. You know, Chris, I this leads me actually to a question I was just sort of wondering about for myself that's sort of related which is, is there like a movie or movies that as a filmmaker, like you felt you particularly learned something from to apply in your work? Um, I think it would probably be sort of screwball comedies um, and uh, Preston Sturgis uh, uh, movies, maybe. Um, and from sort of Hollywood comedies from Lubitsch through uh, Wilder. Uh, with a detour through Sturgis is probably the thing that would most influence sort of the, the way the well when I'm actually successful at doing it the stuff that I that I do you know the sort of sense that uh, subsidiary characters are really important this kind of sense of uh, humane but cynical uh, blend of humanity and cynicism um, and, and I would love to think that that all the Japanese movies that I love influence me but I, I can't really spot it in my own stuff all right well, let's move on, yeah, shall we? Good. good answers, good answers, good answers. Uh, this next and final letter is from Charles, last name withheld, who Schultz? writes... Charles N- Schultz? Nelson Riley? The ghost of Charles Schultz. Dear Lords of Floptum, I was reading an article recently about a Kickstarter anim- uh, aimed at funding the digital removal of the rat that scampers across a balcony banister at the end of The Departed, symbolizing the rat that was just killed in the movie. Oh, Appa- my God. That's what it meant. Oh. Oh. <laughs> now, <laughs> oh. Okay. oh, it makes so much sense now. Because <laughs> he's Appa- a rat. <laughs> oh. Apparently. And he died. Oh. <laughs> but wait. A- no, that, ma- that makes perfect sense. Oh, my God. It makes perfect sense. Okay. <laughs> Well, that's that's why he's the master. Wow. That's why Scorsese. Oh wow! Okay. Apparently, this was. Oh. <laughs> you can't get over it. Oh, Amazing. <laughs> Apparently, this was an egregious sin against cinema. Honestly, I don't give a shit about the rat, and who is anyone to tell Scorsese what to put in or omit from his movies? The reason I bring it up is that this gave me an idea for a way to settle Ding Dong Gate once and for all and have Stu end up on the right side of history. All we have to do is create a Kickstarter to fund a reshoot of the now infamous scene and have the freak actually rip off his Ding Dong. Better yet, why not give him two Ding Dongs? He is a freak after all and have him rip both of them off in unison. It would be quite frankly... Amazing. Keep mm-hmm. it floppy. Charles' last name withheld. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I I, I do have a glossy eight by ten of uh, Jonathan Fuller in the full freak makeup, and he did sign it. I ripped it off myself, so I think I'm in the right. 
Mm. Um, uh, You would say the late Stuart Gordon did say on Twitter, which is how the president communicates. So it's an official archival (laughs) document that the freak did not rip off his own ding dong. So So I guess uh, there's a lot of questions, basically. (laughs) A lot of people, a lot of of questions. uh, And then, of course, you know, uh, to talk about a movie that hasn't come out yet, they they have the uh, the upcoming uh, remake or reimagining of Castle Freak that's going to be coming out sometime at some point when movies are released again. Uh, and maybe we'll get to the bottom of it in there. Maybe they'll explore that, that, you know, facet of, uh, Giorgio the freak. We'll find out. I want there to, I want there to be a scene where he rips off his own ding dong and he just goes, this is for you, Stuart. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, up until that then, and then after then, no other mention of Stuart is made. <laughs> now I'm going to, uh, I'm going to go off on a limb here and I'm going to say something a little controversial guys about okay. the thing that triggered this question, which was, uh, or letter, I guess. So, one, I would say it's really, except for purposes of humor or art pieces, it's really not up to fans to decide how to manipulate a movie that got made because it's <laughs> yeah. not theirs and they didn't make it. And unless you're talking about something like The Clock, which is built out of uh, other people's films, uh, which is a big 24-hour art piece, then like, what are you doing? But also, guys, and maybe you'll disagree with me, I like that rat at the end of The Departed. I think it's yeah. great. Of course it's obvious. It's about how there's rot everywhere in this city and even at this in this apartment there's like still vermin falling going everywhere because we live in a fallen world. So like I but the idea that like oh it's obvious like of course it is. Fuck you, dude. Like movies can be obvious sometimes. Symbology can be obvious. That's fine. Deal with well, it. Well, Come also on. I think it's fun and goofy like I I think that people are taking the departed a little too seriously if they get mad at the rat. Like it's like I love the departed, but it is not like a deep exploration like for a, a Scorsese film in particular like it is a fun pulpy movie about like these parallel ca- I mean like you're saying it's more on the Shutter Island end yes. of Scorsese than the silence end yeah. of Scorsese um, I think he won an Oscar for it so I think you must be wrong <laughs> okay <laughs> I mean but even then like you can win an Oscar for a movie that isn't that isn't that has never su- happened that's not super subtle I no. mean come on that's but it, the uh, I that was a movie that like I really li- I enjoyed that movie. I like it honestly more than Infernal Affairs, the movie it's based on, which I felt like kind of didn't use the premise as well as it could have. But that when people were like, "Ugh, that rat at the end," I was like, "You mean this amazing part at the end where a rat comes out?" Like I don't understand what's the problem. <laughs> yeah, that's like know. watching Better Off Dead and being like, "Ugh, that burger part," and I'm like, "What's wrong with you?" <laughs> <laughs> what, but what, what, what if uh, what if you added a sort of a <laughs> from the rat at the end? I mean, I would love that. Honestly, if the rat looked at the camera and winked, I would have loved it. Like, why not? Sure, go ahead. If it was, and it's also the fact that it's. It's not happening during the scene when they're making love to uh, comfortably numb. Like it's not happening during one of the emotional scenes. It's happening during the the very end when the movie's over and it's like, "Gotcha, wink." You know, like if, if there were know. some cheese at the edge of frame, also that would explain it, and it wouldn't seem That's so true. arbitrary. If the reason he came in while he when he right before he was murdered, the rat he was wiping cheese on the banister of his of the what the the terrace mm-hmm. on his apartment uh, yeah. th- that he bought with his ill-gotten games, and it's because why I don't know he's a crazy bad guy he likes to wipe, wipe cheese on things, but mm-hmm. it's a little bit like a uh, I don't know I, I could see I, I could it, see it those would people be, uh, cheddar you, you know because then it's this 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 symbolism is double because cheddar is you know is money right he's got so much yeah, cheddar okay. he's got a fridge just full of cheddar cheese he's like what am I going to do with this I got so much cheddar I mean, it sounds like heaven so <laughs> I 
I, I'm going to say something that might sound a little snobby, and I, I genuinely don't mean it that way, but I think that people who watch a lot of movies might have a higher tolerance for silliness in their movies just because, like, if you only, if you're not, like, watching a lot of stories, maybe you expect them to be a little more straightforward. Like, I this, this was brought, like, the reason I was talking about this was someone tweeted at me, and I don't want to call anyone out, like, someone tweeted at me, and eventually they're like, oh, okay, this was a joke. They like, watched the rest of the movie. But they're like, oh, I'm watching the Child's Play remake. And I can't get past the part uh, at the beginning where the sweatshop worker like switches the violence inhibitor switch to off. And I'm like, yeah. that's clearly a joke. <laughs> like, uh, like, why would the doll have a violence Dan, switch? <laughs> Dan, there is no room for jokes in a movie about a killer doll. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, I mean, the real problem with that is that they're stealing that joke from The Simpsons. Sure, when they, sure. They goes, oh, here's the problem. Your doll is switched to evil. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think uh, there's two kinds of film snobs. There's the ones that go around. It's like a, there's a... They do a podcast and shit on movies. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then there are the kinds that actually make movies, and then the kinds that don't even make the podcast. And then there's the people they but, hurt, uh, yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and then there's victims, yeah. that uh, <laughs> the, the kind who get... It's like you go through these stages of, of film snob development where... You start out and you're like, movies, wow, I love them. And then you get to a point where you're super cynical and you shit on everything. And you're like, uh, why did Indy even have to go after the Ark? Because it kills all those Nazis at the end without him. And then you go a little farther and you become like uh, in Roger Ebert's review for Air Force One, where he's like, Air Force One came out the same weekend as this Gamera movie. And honestly, at this point in my life, I'd rather watch the Gamera movie. <laughs> and like, I feel like that's where where we are more is like, okay, I've seen it all, so now I'm ready to see the silly stuff. Yeah. But a lot of people, they're not all the way through that journey. And then the next stage, I guess, is when you're so tired of movies that you're just like, mm, books are really where it's at. I'm reading Mill on the Floss. I don't watch movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a great book. I don't know why... Uh... I don't, I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't need to make, read a movie about how they make... Read a book about how they make floss. Come on. <laughs> Boring. Uh, so, guys, that was great. Let's go to the next segment. And the last one, where we recommend a movie that you should watch uh, instead of this one. So uh, we can prove we're like real full-on movie snobs, right? Yeah, exactly, uh, exactly. No, this is to prove that we're not just full, full of uh, bitter bile. Because um, my, my recommendation is L'Age d'Or. A lot of people would say <laughs> Un Chandelier, but that's kind of a little done at this point. So, um, So I'd like to recommend Easter Parade, which I watched on Easter. Uh, it's one of Audrey's all-time favorite movies, and I had uh, TiVo'd it, according to my TiVo, one full year ago, last Easter, and we never got mm. around to watching I have, it. I have some movies that have been on my TiVo for years. I'll get yeah. around to them eventually. Um, but it was so much fun. Uh, it's got uh, Fred Astaire in a role that was originally supposed to be done by Gene Kelly, but he injured himself right before the movie started. And you can see how it's kind of more a Gene Kelly role than a Fred Astaire role, but he's great in it. He keeps going up to people and going, it's me, Gene Kelly from Singing (laughs) in the Rain. And it also has uh, Judy Garland. And I realized that I actually hadn't seen Judy Garland uh, in stuff that much before. I'd seen Wizard of Oz, obviously, and I'd seen uh, A Star is Born. But this was the first time where I'd really seen a movie where she's allowed to be the funny one and she's really funny like uh no no i mean like i'm you know it's no surprise like i'm just i'm discovering that judy garland is a star suddenly but she was really uh fun and it's a movie that like it starts out like it's gonna be 
my fair lady but for dancing like fred astaire's like i could take any chorus girl and make her my partner and then that kind of just gets discarded and like anytime it seems like there's going to be a conflict it resolves really quickly which honestly at this point in the world why not <laughs> why not have a movie that has barely any conflict and it's a bunch of singing and dancing and pretty easter hats and so easter parade is my recommendation cool uh, I'm going to recommend a movie called Support the Girls. Uh, it is a like a small kind of almost like everyday slice of life comedy about uh, basically focusing on a single day uh, with a manager and the staff of a like a Hooters style bar and restaurant and the kind of everyday problems they have with their life and with work. And uh, it's really great. Uh, it stars Regina Hall, who's great. Uh, and it has a basically a star making turn from this actress Shayna McHale, which I don't think I've seen her in anything, and her IMDb profile doesn't list much, but she's incredible. Uh, it's also got like Dylan Galula from uh, what was that? Uh, Kimmy Schmidt. Well, it has a, a star of a Chris White's film in it. Haley Haley Lee Richardson, fantastic. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So I liked it a lot. Check it out. Uh, I'm going to recommend a movie that ties into some of the stuff we talked about earlier. It's called Rambo Last Blood, and it's the story of this guy who... Uh, <laughs> it's, so, this uh, is the story of a guy. <laughs> this is a story. How about how my life got changed turned upside down. I'd like to take a minute to sit right there and tell you how I killed a bunch of Mexican guys in my farm. <laughs> well, I was an old man dealing with my trauma. Oh, God. <laughs> Worked with my niece to dad, abandoned her mama, and then we decided to. So, uh, so uh, what's that guy wrote in? The, the nameless fan wrote in asking about like uh, movies that they should see and uh, stuff like that. And it made me think about a movie I watched recently that I should have watched a long time ago that I didn't. And especially after Chris mentioned the screwball comedies of the you know 30s and 40s, which was I finally watched What's Up Doc, the Peter Bogdanovich movie that is a 70s kind of version of one of those movies and i'd put it up for i'll put it off for a long time because i kept hearing it referred to as being kind of like bringing up baby and bringing up baby is maybe my least favorite of the screwballs it's one that agreed connect with me at all yeah. yeah i was i was worried that that you would disagree with me on that but it's uh, and that i would feel bad she's uh, super but, annoying yeah it's super <laughs> right and when there are like great i mean like have you have you seen the Mad Miss Manton with Barbara Stanwyck mm. and Henry Fonda? No. I think it's so much better than Ring Up Baby, and it's a similar type of movie. But uh, I, I finally watched What's Up Doc because I wanted to watch a movie that was silly because the world is not silly right now. And I was like, oh, this is a much funnier movie than I thought it was going to be, and I really enjoyed it. And I was especially excited to see uh, the actor Liam Dunn, who is maybe best known for being in Blazing Saddles, and he comes in at the end as a judge, and I think he's such a funny actor. And it was just great to see him. It's got an, such an amazing cast in it. And so I'm glad I finally watched it. So what's up, Doc? The movie that doesn't really earn the title, What's Up, Doc? <laughs> it's kind of a kind of a pointless title. But otherwise, I enjoyed it a lot. I've really been meaning to watch that one, too. Uh, I, uh, maybe you're, you will finally push me to. Because I, you know, like the early uh, classic Peter Bogdanovich movies, like Last, Last Picture Show and targets and paper moon i've i all all really loved so i want to check He's, that out for some reason i think i've let my uh my feelings about bringing up baby and my feelings about peter bogdanovich get in the way of watching this movie and 
Uh, it reminded me of a story I think I've told on this Flophouse before when I went to see a screening of Targets that Peter Bogdanovich was introducing, and he started taking audience questions, which he was not supposed to take, and ended up talking for about 45 minutes. And you could see the programmer from Film Forum getting more and more frustrated that it was still going on, and they had to cancel the second screening of Targets because it ran, it ran so far over. But... uh Anyway, I'd recommend it. Chris, do you have a movie you'd like to recommend? I do. Um, I am catching up on my Japanese uh, classics, and there's a film called Harakiri. Uh, oh, the Kobayashi um, movie. And actually, it kind of uh, it, it reflects, interestingly, on, on uh, Rambo, because it is about revenge, but it's told in a very kind of innovative way. It uses flashbacks extremely well. Um, and, uh, and it's really an, and it's sort of an indictment of samurai culture. Um, in, in the guise of a samurai film, it's, uh, it's incredibly well, well shot, well told. Um, uh, Tatsuya Nakadai is uh, is great. He's probably he's certainly less well known than Joshiro Mifune, but he's he's, he's amazing uh, in the film. Uh, and uh, y- you know, it was kind of my first dip into Kobayashi's uh, uh, oeuvre, uh, and and I highly highly recommend it. He's got they've got a Kobayashi's got a lot of great movies like Samurai Rebellion's really good mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and Quiet On is really good and. Tatsuya Nakade, I'm glad you brought him up. I haven't watched him in a movie in a long time, but he's in he's in so many good movies, and I think I've seen a, a fraction of them. He so, is so much is more scary effect, uh, than than Rambo, uh, with so much less. I think you know, like this guy has dead eyes when he wants to. That is, he can actually also play kind of quite quite warm, but but mostly he's this kind of stone killer looking guy. Have you seen Kill? No, I've not seen Kill. <laughs> oh, he's so he's really funny in it. That's why oh, wow. he's playing like um like almost like a a version of uh before it existed of of John Belushi's samurai character in that. Like it's his take <laughs> on on a Yojimbo type scruffy uh-huh. samurai uh-huh. and like it's a really funny movie. But uh that's really yeah, Harry Carey's a really good movie. I haven't watched a Japanese movie in a while. Guys, why am I not watching any of the Japanese movies on my DVR? Yeah, you should be watching them, Elliot. I started watching, you know what, the last one I saw was, there was, what was his name? I forgot his name. There's a Japanese actor in the 60s who wanted to look different to set himself apart, so he had cheek implants put Jesus. in, and he's got, like, these weird chipmunk cheeks in all of his movies, and I watched that one, and it, for some reason, I haven't watched that it That yeah. put you off the whole thing. That was like, See, this guy's thing, cheeks, I don't know. The thing know. Is, is, I have a big stack of movies that I feel like I should be watching, but then I just go over to YouTube and watch the final fight scene from Yes, Madam with Michelle Yeoh and uh, <laughs> Cynthia Rothrock again, and I'm like, what? This Why is all the movie else? I need. Yeah. All right, well, I gotta add that to my list. So I'm just, oh, uh, well, this is, my... for, the, for the listener earlier, if they're still paying, still paying attention, here's a piece of advice based on what Seward say. There's gonna be movies that you like Get ready to watch because you feel like you should watch them, and but you're not really excited about watching them. But you should push through to to watch them because yeah. some, there have been movies. They're like every time I read a classic book or I watch a classic movie, I'll be like putting it off for a while, and then I'll watch it or read. And I'll be like, oh, this is why it's a classic because it's like because it's really good. Like and Chimes if, at Midnight is a movie I put off for years because I was like, I want to slog through like a Shakespeare movie, yeah. but then it was really good or like. And if, uh, and if you don't like it, it at least gives you something to think about, and you can think about why you don't like it. Like, not yeah. liking something is sometimes just as good as liking something. And also, yes. it may be some, a different experience than you think it's going to be. Like, I had that recently with the Florida Project, which everyone said was so great, but I was like, ah, uh, 
like it's going to be so sad it's going to be so sad i don't want to watch something sad and it is very sad but it's also full of like humor and life and just people that you recognize like like that, willem dafoe <laughs> well, I, I mean like well that that's the magic of william willem dafoe's performance in that because he's the like the one name in it and you're like you'd think that you're just like okay i'm gonna think of willem dafoe the whole time but he is such a natural yeah. presence like he's a, a guy that you probably have met a million times in your life like he just he feels like that like, he's so humane and it's it's great it's um, kind of the opposite of uh, I'm right now. I last night I watched up to the middle of the lighthouse, and Willem Dafoe in that is very much not a man I've ever met before. <laughs> but I must say, it's, uh, uh, my wife and I are watching it, and we're oh, like, wow. mm, this movie about these two guys stuck on a rock in the middle of nowhere who can do nothing but spend time around each other and have and are con- working all day and exhausted the end night, and now they're arguing about whether they like the food that the other one cooked. This yeah. is getting a little too close. To home. Mm, okay. I'll keep that in mind. Okay, well, guys, this has gone on a long time. I see Stuart uh, uh, looking around the room. As if <laughs> well, no, I, uh, my my upstairs neighbors are clearly like my upstairs neighbors are clearly vacuuming, and I'm like, oh, is it too loud? Mm-hmm. Uh, Just well, throw my track in the trash. It's fine. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, Guys, it'll thank be you like, so it'll much. It'll be like uh, when they take Garfield out of a out of Garfield comics, and they'll just be us reacting to things you've done. Uh huh. Yeah. You're you're normal. Dan is uh, is John, and Chris can be Odie. Excellent. I love it. How do you feel about that, Chris? He's me. I, I see. Okay. I see myself in him. Uh, I mean, <laughs> people love Odie. <laughs> Let's let Chris uh, get back to his family. Also, Elliot get back to his family. Let Stuart get back to Charlene. Let's all. You know, just uh, leave this uh, podcast purgatory. But you're right, because uh, Dan, if there's one thing I'm getting not enough of right now, it's time. Uh, to I, I've got to work on some traps, <laughs> no, some, it's some tunnels, because I'm expecting some guests to kill. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, everyone should go check out other podcasts on MaximumFun.org, but mostly uh, just take care of yourself during this time. Uh, thank you so much to Chris for being. Such a sweet oh, person. Guys. Yeah, for not, guys, for not this hating is a, us this is a dream so much. Yeah. for me. Finally to appear. And uh, I guess that's it. For the Flophouse, I've been Dan McCoy. I've been Stuart Wellington. I've been Elliot Kalen. I'd also like to mention, edited by Jordan Cowling, because we always forget to mention her and I feel bad about it. And our special guest was... Chris Weitz. See you next time. Bye. Is no one else seeing this? <laughs> No, uh, I'm not. I saw an emoji for two seconds. It was it was a yeah, crying, crying emoji, yeah. and then it went away. You are in a crying emoji cycle right now, and your oh, like the whole, your whole window is tilt, tinted blue. Your your blue bada dee bada da bada da dee da 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 right now. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.